Welcome to Shelf by Genre, a show about types of literature and the worlds they imagine. Today we continue our unit on Ursula K. Le Guin's <laughs> Earthsea novels. Today we're discussing the rest of A Wizard of Earthsea. I am Cameron, and with me here are my souls trapped within spells of binding, Michael and Austin. I'm just a regular stone. You could you could <laughs> come up and look at come could just come over here and touch me real quick. Man, stones are cool. It's cool stones to touch stones. It's cool to touch me. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I, she's telling me to do it, but I don't think I should. Oh, I'm just a regular laid back stone. <laughs> just here at the very bottom of this tower in the deepest room. Come on, get I'm looking at you and it's blinking all kinds of no, like hell colors. It's cooler than the other <laughs> side of the pillow over here. Come hang out with me. <laughs> I'm looking at, I, you know, I'm looking at the list of spells over here. You know, I wave my, uh, my name wand over here. I see you. Uh, binding, soul theft, murder. No. <laughs> those are from other, those are a different stone. That's not on me. <laughs> I don't know why no, this I'm is the voice sure. I've chosen for. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either, which it made me unwilling to kind of commit to the bit. You don't want to do the bit anymore because you're because afraid. I, well, I wanted to, I, I kind of want to lean into being like, oh, it's like someone's made that up about you. You know what right. I mean? But yeah. with it's that like, voice, it sounded not cool. <laughs> it's like the stone is being interviewed on the street in an episode of Law and Order. People are always yeah, jumping right, to conclusions right. about old Blackstone. All right. I, I did kind of feel like I was like kind of being trapped into profiling the you stone were a little bit. And I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to, but mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I had to mm-hmm. for the bit, you know? It's a cool stone. It's the one it, of the coolest things in this book. <laughs> Look, yeah. hey, every chapter, this is a cool thing we can say about Earthsea, I think, at this point. And it, this is going to be a thing to track going forward for the next, like, seven books or however many there are, right? Mm-hmm. Every chapter of this book has at least one cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Is that right? I would look at every yeah, chapter, yeah. but I think that's right. I definitely feel like Every chapter of this book has one thing that would be the entire book in another series. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. right? like archetypically cool. <laughs> uh, it, it is the kind of thing where it, maybe uh, what I mean by that, too, is like every chapter has one thing where if you said, hey, have you read A Wizard of Earthsea? Uh, he binds a dragon by knowing its true la- name where he learned about the lore of it. And uh, prevents it from ever attacking his homeland again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you said that, they'd be like, that's a cool book. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Lo and behold, they find out there's one of those in every chapter. <laughs> Lo and behold, they find out that happens in on a page. That whole encounter <laughs> right, is right. Yeah. four pages or something. That whole chapter is only like 12 pages, you know? Um, yeah, we got to get to it dragon because right. there is some efficient writing in this book. You know, there is some... You meet a character, and by the end of the page, you're like, "Damn, I feel bad for that kid, for that guy's son." You know? Yeah, it's quick. It is quick. Uh, she, yeah, she's all about like giving you giving you a thing. I do think, and maybe we can talk about this toward the end of the episode. I do think the trick starts wearing a little thin by the end of okay. the book. Because because I, I did I read basically the first half of this book when we recorded our last episode. Yep. I read the first one kind of in one sitting or like one and a half sittings, you know, kind of. And this one I read all in one sitting. You know, I read 60-ish pages or something. Yeah, but the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. at a whack. And by the end of that, you know, maybe if I were like a young adult, this would be different because I'm not the intended audience for the book, right? And maybe if I were less like fantasy-pilled, you know, this would also be less of a thing. But by the end, I was like, yep, that, yeah, we got another list of people in their islands, huh? Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, <laughs> we're going through. So there's, there's a way that the efficiency starts getting in the way a little bit. 
Um, yeah. But but we can see we can talk about that when we get toward the end because there is an afterword to there this one. Sure is. Um, that I find puzzling. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it. It makes sense. Yeah, to when me. we get there. You want me to read the summary so we can just talk about stuff? Yeah. yeah. All right. I feel like we got all our Le Guin talk out of the way last time. Yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, I think it's interesting because it's like the 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 sociology angle that you that you present or the anthropology angle. I guess not the sociology, the anthropology angle. It doesn't yeah. like disappear necessarily, but it's really front loaded in this book. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, then he just gets to be go do wizard shit. And there's still care given and there are still signs of thinking about history in a material mm-hmm. and social way or thinking of thinking about the social as both material and historical that feels yeah. anthropological in that way. Um, uh, but the the sort of like come to a new place and like dig into its little nooks and crannies and, and present its culture in that way mm-hmm. is a little diminished uh, in this part of the reading. Thinking yeah. of our big mm-hmm. conversation, you know. Well, you know, I think part of that's because the second half of this book is, you know, it's almost like um, it's like you broke it down the middle. It's kind of, you know, it's the yeah. structure of Cloud Atlas a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. Where like Cloud mm-hmm. Atlas has this progression of nested stories that then at the middle point break back out, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Then we can reverse through them. The same thing happens here, right? Where we get all these characters at the beginning, there's the wizard school, and then we kind of break back through those same characters again. So yeah. there's there's not too many new societies we get here. We get Oskil, right? And then we get the uh, the Northern Raiders. They're not car hiders. That's from the other book, but um, whatever they're called. No, they're they're car something, aren't they? The, yeah, the, car the, something. The, they're cargs. 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 Yeah, cargs. Yeah. There we go. And we right? get and we get Vetch's people a little a little yeah. bit, but they're basically yeah. from the archipelago. They're basically they're East Reach, but they're still like North Reach, Reach, East Reach. You know, there's a little overlap. They speak the same language. There's some differences, yeah. but not that big. But, yeah, I think that's where the the kind of um, anthropological stuff shows up here is when people don't speak the same language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a little bit of woo, whatever. But yeah, I think mostly that's structural, and that like we're kind of returning to the same people again. Yeah. Um, across the rest of the book, which is cool. That's really good for. It feels good for a YA book. I guess we to get like the, introduce you. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking of a thing which which made me cut you off like a bad co-host. No, it's great. No, I'm just saying that we're just running into the same people again. So there's less wonder or yeah, you know, whatever. Right? Like, wow, Wizard School. Now it's like, oh shit, Wizard School. Yeah, maybe the know? one other big. Th- you mentioned Oskol, but the thing about Oskol having slaves and servitude in a different way. And mm-hmm. that and and getting to see a boat, uh, how how does a boat run different? How is like a big yeah. boat with forty rowers run different? Seems grounded in that same capacity from Le Guin, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Yep. Like you know, I'll mention it in the summary, and I don't know how deep we'll get on it. But like when he meets Pechvari and all that yeah. stuff, yeah, like that's kind of like the same culture he grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not all that different. So people in boats, you know what I mean? Earthsea, y'all, mm-hmm. right there in the all title. Right, here's the summary. Here's the summary I wrote. Uh, this is an interesting summary because normally when I write these summaries, I write them down as I read. So I like read a chapter, summarize, read a chapter, summarize. I read the whole thing and then went and summarized it after this time. Mm. And it is worse. <laughs> so I'm just letting everybody know. I feel like we can, we can cover the gaps, but this is a book that weirdly enough, because it is so efficient, is hard to summarize without just rewriting the book. And so I've erred on brevity. Uh, on the side of property. Okay, this is the summary of what happened in the back half of Wizard of Earthsea. Ged finally leaves Wizard Island to go to Low Torning. He is there on request of the Islemen from there who need him to protect them from some dragons. 
on the island, he meets a man named Petchvari and his family and fails to save the man's son from death by fever. Then Ged does some really cool research and dominates a dragon, preventing it from ever attacking the island again. Later, hunted by the shadow that he loosed earlier in the book, he meets a gray merchant who tells him that he might be able to find a weapon in Oskil, which is kind of like a Mordor, and maybe also just like some other place that people live. <laughs> On the way there, he is attacked by the shadow and runs into the court of Terranon, the castle of a lord with a horde. A woman, later revealed to be the evil enchantress's daughter, almost convinces him to get trapped in some sort of wild-ass soul gem. Hunted by the lord in his shadow, Ged finds his Otak dead, and then shape changes into a hawk. He flies all the way back to Ogeon, who has to untransform Ged because he spent more than his allotted hours in hawk form and was in permahawk mode, which a certain Andalite would later <laughs> warn a thermal-loving Tobias about. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> yep. He palavers with Ogeon, who has gotten even more Yoda, and eventually they conclude that he needs to challenge and hunt the shadow that has been hunting him. Ged leaves the island and goes into the sea to hunt the shadow. He finds it, his boat is destroyed, he finds some abandoned people on the sandbar island, and Le Guin teases the sequel. Ged keeps hunting his shadow, and the people he meets keep talking about seeing a ghostly Ged a few, year, a few days before they see him. Eventually, he meets up with Vetch, who agrees to accompany him on the hunt for the shadow. They chase it to the ends of the earth, and Ged wrestles with it in the darkness, ending up victorious. And that's Wizard of Earthsea. And then there is also an afterword. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Those are the God, events. When, when we got... When we got uh, I was going to say transmorphers, but that's not what it is. What, what, <laughs> what? what is it? Animorphs? Animorphs. There we go. Yeah, yeah huh? I just couldn't get there. Yeah. Transmorphers is the uh, is the knockoff Transformers yeah. um, straight to DVD film. Yeah, which are not good. Yeah. They're not funny, bad movies. They're just bad movies. Yeah, the Asylum films. The no, Asylum films, not, yeah. Not fun, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, I was reading that. I was like, damn it. K.A. Applegate. <laughs> I see what you did. It's even a hawk. Yeah, it's yeah. even a hawk. Yeah. No, someone in our Discord the uh asked if the famous bad cover art of like a giant hawk with person legs was perhaps an influence on the Animorphs cover. And I'm just gonna say, yeah, I bet yeah, this Kay Applegate like Kate came in and was like, listen, here's the book. Kid's gonna get turned into a hawk. Here's my inspiration. All the covers need to look like this. <laughs> <laughs> but this is only like one thing. We need to know where they came from and where they're going. But like, like that's that's what's going to be different about the Animorphs cover. This fully speaks to what you're saying before of like every one of these chapters has a thing that could be its own book. That yeah. one chapter of Ged is a is a hawk and could be stuck as a hawk forever turned into a whole series. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It would be scary to turn into an animal and then not be able to change back. Right. Which which to be clear, we are not accusing K. Applegate of anything untoward. This is no. good old fashioned. If there is a connection, it's good old fashioned. Take that inspiration and run with it, and do your own damn thing. I, I think it's fine. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a uh, yeah. In in the in the world of uh, plagiarism that we live in today. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. You're not making uh, a like four weird... hour video. We are not doing. Yeah. Oh, the four H bomber hours? No. guy. <laughs> yeah. Four hour video. Seven hour video. I'm, I'm on. The, I've got my friends at the New York Times on the phone. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Michael Watts is about to uh, really settle some scores, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, like like it is the lifeblood of genre, right? It, it is the lifeblood of 
uh, the way that the world works mm -hmm. for us to engage with stuff, process it, and do other things yes. with it. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Which, like, that's part of the thing. Which I think one of the big conversations that uh, on the Discord that came out of that first set of readings was true names and, like, what's the origin yeah. of it? Is this where the true names came from? You know, which I think is a fair question to ask uh, in the sense that, like, is this a, a uh, you know, an axis on which that idea turned? You know, did this mm -hmm. idea get blown up because of this book, which seems like yes, but it certainly didn't come from here. There is a hmm. long history of knowing something's true name or having power over a little creature because you know the name it has, or you know, going back to to mythology and folklore and et cetera and religion, right? Yeah. So you got a little, you got a Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Uh, I seem to remember some sort of uh, uh, you know. A uh, whole set of faith traditions that are sometimes predicated on not being able to say the name of of the deity that, yeah. that mm -hmm. kind of runs the show. Yep. So. Yep. Um, but but even in the fantasy stuff, right? Like even in just straight fantasy, which we'll talk about with the afterword a little bit, because Le Guin gives us a little bit of insight into where this book came from. Uh, even in that, true names matter, right? Yeah. Um, we don't we don't meet Aragorn as Aragorn, right? right. We meet Aragorn yes. as Strider, yes. and is the revelation of his true name and his genealogy that makes him uh, a more important and you know cool guy right the thing i ended up saying in that in that brief chat in the discord was like the thing that is happening is it's the power of looking at someone and saying i know who you really are yeah. i know what you, i know what yeah. your deal is yo you thought you thought we didn't know who you were i know who you are you're aragorn you know it's all this strider yeah. stuff get that out of here pick up your sword <laughs> you know you got some work to do bud uh and that's yeah. and that is and that is uh, you know, made more complex when you don't say, I know who you really are, which is broad, and say instead, I know your true name, uh, which we've been saying before is, is freighted and sometimes fraught. But here, I think there's a lot of great work in this back half of the book that, um, you know, makes that, it problematizes that. Where do those names come from? Who has names for what? Who decides what is dark and what is light? Who decides what is evil? I mean, there's still a, a pretty big through line here, but the fundamental big moment at the end is a collapsing of the idea that the the that there there are ways to use names that are not just um, uh, saying that all things are one thing or that you know all things are the the the, the one true essence of itself which is pure and, and regular. There's a a real complex maneuver that Ged does at the very end mm -hmm. that we'll have to walk through. You know, there it's also just cool as shit. Yeah, right. Like yeah. like uh, all I mean, these it, other conceptual things we're talking about, all true. Yeah, when the shadow thing that has <laughs> taken over the body of that dude yeah. turns yeah. to Ged yeah. and like quickly just says Ged and gets like fuck, and he doesn't have power anymore. No. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's good. Well, and even before that, let's 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 talk about the dragon of Pendor. Mm -hmm. Because wait, wait, hold on. I got one step back. Yes. Michael, I know you hate magic. Uh-huh. Did true. you think that moment was cool? Because that to me is peak magic. Which which moment specifically? Of that shadow, the shadow looking at him and being like, Ged. And then he is like unable to use Ged's unable to use any magic. Oh, yeah. Because no, that his rules. name is known. That's just pure magic bullshit, right? Like that's like core of the genre horse shit here. Yeah. But you wouldn't but you like think it if cool. he cast the name ceiling spell, which is a fifth tier wizard of words uh, <laughs> right. ritual yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, like what makes it work, right, is that Le Guin, Le Guin's magic system is so, uh, I was going to say minuscule, but that's not the right word. Uh, right. 
and it's not bare bones, right? But there's this sense of, because it's it sort of operates like a force of nature, right? Like, I think it's, it's notable that probably 60% of what wizards do in this setting appears to be summoning winds, right? <laughs> uh, that there is something uh, kind of atmospheric about the magic, so it doesn't need uh, all the like, oh, here's my 15 level spells and binding and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. The, like, it, she gets the the power of simplicity out of it, right? Yeah. Of it just being being dead, and then, whew, magic's gone. Yeah, it's great. The the thing there too, I, I was thinking about this a lot. Is like, what is a mat? What is magic? Partially, at least, a metaphor for. Or what is one way to read magic in this book? And when you think about the rules of it, which we touched on last time, but but fundamentally, the idea is that wizards learn the names of things, that the true names of things, to either bind them, summon them, you know, halt them in place, change them in some way, replace them with another thing that they know the true name of, etc. Transform them, do some sort of illusion. There's a great section in here where Ged is like, listen, mostly what you see is illusions. Mostly we're not we're not making meat pies out of thin air. You know, we're, we're making mm-hmm. air look and taste like a meat pie, but making a meat pie, it's kind of hard. Um, and it's kind of like a waste of effort in some ways. Uh, but the the idea is that you know the world. Right. The the big example in the first half of the book is it's really easy to change part of one bay that you're really familiar with and you know the true name of. But the second mm-hmm. you're out in the open sea, which is this vast thing, or you start to say like, well, the ocean is made up of all of these different bays and you don't have all of their true names. Um, you know, you, you might have the name of a storm, but do you really have a name of an entire storm system or an entire of the weather? It gets it gets more difficult. And so you end up having this idea and it's really zeroed in on as Ged moves to new places where he is like, I don't know the language here. I don't know the people here, which maybe here is the anthropology again, right? That right. that uh, magic is knowledge that is, um, uh, you know, leveraged into action, right? The knowledge is use or, or magic is useful knowledge. It's like, in some cases, literally, I know how to make the boat not sink. Um, <laughs> I know how to make the boat come home. Um, uh, magic is, is technological in that way, yeah. uh, here and that, mm-hmm. and, and that technology is local. It's local technologies, um, that you can put, put to work here, not universal technologies. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a really fascinating way to, to produce a, a magic system that can feel both elemental and, uh, specific at the same time. So, you yeah, know. that really hits hard. There's a moment later on where he's like, it's when he's trying to get a ship to Oskil. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I can do a little bit of weather magic. He's talking to the captain. He's like, hey, I can do a little... And the captain's like, I can do weather magic. He's <laughs> like, I do a little bit of weather magic. I don't need that. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, I guess I'll row or whatever, right? That to me was the moment where it's like, it, again, you know, we, we talked about it earlier on, but we spent so long in wizard school that it's easy to forget that like magic, magic like you just said, it's a technology, it's a local technology. And if you're a, if you're a sea captain, it behooves you to learn a little bit. Well, of it, and right? especially there where you learn that that sea captain owns slaves who row his ship. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a there's a little way you could read this, which is like where Geddes from where they don't take slaves. They everybody who's on a boat is a partner in the boat is what Ged says, or is what the narrator explains, that that mm-hmm. if you're a Roke or, or from the, that part of the world, not Roke, sorry, um, uh, Gaunt, if you're a Gauntish, you know, uh, sailor, there's a, and you're rowing for someone, you have some percentage, you know, you're a partner in the expedition. 
Um, and so there's, it's like, well, okay, the captain doesn't necessarily need to be the one who has the weather. They don't need the monopoly on that technology. But in in Oskol, where there is this like competitive, um, you know, slave driven capitalist ish, right? There's the there's a whole exchange where they're like, listen, man, you don't have gold. Get the fuck out of here. Your little ivory counters do not matter to us. We have a different, mm-hmm. you know, system here. Suddenly, it behooves the captain to kind of have this piece of like. Um, you know, th- there's a sort of like uh, an industrial capital, you know what I mean? Like I own mm-hmm. the means here and the means are fucking summoning wind. And so I, I better have that. That's, that's what lets me be a captain in a way. I don't want to cede that to somebody who just, who works for me. I want control of that here. Um, and the extra sense of like, of, of rivalry and competition and, and, uh, risk in Oskol originates in that space, in in the space where labor is happening, and not even in the wilderness and the craggy rocks and the haunted manor and all that stuff that we get later. But it starts at uh, Ged can't talk to the people around him because the idea of camaraderie has been uh, eradicated, has been eroded because you have some people who are slaves and some people who are paid workers sitting next to one another, and right. they can't have any sort of. Uh, any sort of solidarity between them that's been eroded, and that's like okay, yeah, you're here. Here we have stumbled back around to yeah, the back half of this book has plenty of uh, of anthropology in it. You know, it's good. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but uh, yep, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about the dragons? I would love to talk about the dragons. Mm. There are too many of them. The ninety islands, ninety isles, I guess. Yeah, islands, mm-hmm. please. What's the name of the place that he goes to? Pendor uh, or the other place? Low Torning. Low Torning. Yeah, Pendor is the place he ends up. It's where yeah. the dragon is, which is cool. Yeah. But Low Torning. I love this little portrait of Low Torning that we get. It's and good. also love that they like uh, the, 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 the Isle Men. You know, we get this very proper name for them, right? Mm-hmm. That they petition the wizard school for someone to come deal with the dragon who keeps spawning dragon babies to attack their island mm-hmm. or because they're worried about it. You know, yeah. it's happened a couple times and they're like, all right, we're going to send a new graduate. We're going to send like a zero hour wizard out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's good. And I guess it works out, you know, Yeah, but, but he does not have a lot of uh, job training like whatsoever. Yeah, Vetch didn't get this assignment. They didn't send someone even who was like graduated with honors, you know? No. They're like, all right. This is the, the guy who the, the yeah, guy okay, who killed ahead. the headmaster <laughs> and was catatonic for several months. Let's send him to fight the dragon. You know, worked out. You think this was maybe like a Trojan horse scenario where they were like, all right. He'll get hurt real bad and the dragon will feel like he needs to, you know, help him out. And then <laughs> he'll end up killing the dragon. I see. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was like a maybe dragons aren't that big of a deal. Maybe most They're wizards can deal. Big. No, because yeah. because they start calling Ged Dragon Lord, and that means something in this world. So it seems because like he dominates the dragon. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the <laughs> difference. You're right. <laughs> they called him Dragon Lord because dragons aren't a big deal. It's just like, <laughs> oh, it's just like, nice going, <laughs> Dragon Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you want to ride my boat, Dragon Lord? Uh, no, <laughs> not for free. 
Oh, that's a good insult. Uh-huh. Dragon Lord. All right, Dragon Lord. Just like it's someone you know who's like a little too into fantasy. Yeah. Okay, Dragon Lord. Let's get going. Let's get on the bus. We got a long way ahead of us. It's like it's like, what like the mean football coach says to like exactly. the, the, the football player who also reads. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. He like he, he's got the Lord of the Rings. It's, this is me like making a period piece about like racial solidarity on the football field. Yeah. And there's one guy who reads the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, yeah, big guy, offensive lineman, yep. right? They call him Drag. All right, Dragon Lord, get on here. We, we're going to state. Yeah. And, but then like some, but knocking then, like, it out of his hands. The quarterback is like, I don't know, man. Dragon Lord, that's kind of a cool name. We should, we should, <laughs> you should own it. Dragon no, no, Lord he, special on three. Great. <laughs> that's it. Well, it's even more subtle than that, right? Because like we really trust the the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. It's they're in the the huddle, right? right? And they're making the decision. He says, All right, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna, you know, he like lays it out and he says, just get behind the dragon lord. And he looks at him, and in Dragon Lord, he's he's like ashamed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he locks eyes with the quarterback, and the quarterback's smiling. Yeah. And then they all mm-hmm. hoo hoo hoo. Then they follow him in. He just, you know, drills down through it. V formation. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's before mm-hmm. we invented strategy for football. It's like 1971, <laughs> right? Some people just did shit. And he like, you know, helps someone. So, you know, uh quarterback. Is, is carrying the ball behind him, right? Yeah. He's knocking people left and right, boom, boom, boom. They get there, and then they all, they're chanting Dragon Lord, Dragon. And then in the final game in the movie, it's the Dragon Lord special. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Where he, he, they fake like they're going to do that, but really he's a, he's a receiver. He's declared as a receiver on that play. He gets to run into the end zone and catch the ball, That's and everyone right. lifts him up on their shoulders. And yeah. He can, you can be anything. If you can read, you can do anything you want to do. That's the lesson of the movie. <laughs> Good night, Dragon Lord. Cut to credits. Oh, and it's a thing where it's like they got a new coach. They got like a coach who was like a nearby famous college coach, but like has a drinking problem or uh-huh. had an affair and had to like you know quit his big college job and come down to high school. But no, and, and, no, no. We're doing a racial solidarity movie, so he oh, like sorry. He's allowed. He's racist. There we go. Uh, and, there we go. And he he thinks that the black players on the team can't understand all his fancy college plays. But actually, Dragon Lord is smart and is the one of the black players. And he's the one who's breaking down the new play assignments that are com- too complex for the white quarterback. Right. That's it. You That's know, and he gets it. The white quarterback gets it. He just needs it to be under explained to him in terms that dra- mm-hmm. only Dragon Lord, who's like an English nerd, can explain. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> Dragon Lord <laughs> is into War Sims. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he's he's got like a real Mississippi accent. Right. He's like, well, knights. You know what I mean? He's like, in this in this story, I read knights went. I'm I'm doing like a South it's, Georgia. That's yeah, not a Mississippi, it's a, it's but this would be a maneuver. Mississippi movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. He uses his lance, and then we cut to, you know what I mean, yeah. like the quarterback <laughs> passing lateral, right, mm-hmm. over to the uh, running back. Running back's taking it out, right? Yeah. We get to see all of these translated into play patterns, right? <laughs> you know how- Fuck, give us $20 million. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't even need to make, make Dragon I don't even need, You know how, like, Slow Burn got turned into a TV show? You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm, license yeah. this from us. Yeah. Yeah. Go have fun. But pay us the twenty million dollars. Yeah, I'll take look. I'll take like a like a neat. Give us twenty million for the series. I'll take a neat two fifty <laughs> as the fee. I'll co-write the first episode. Then I'll hand it off. Showrunner can do whatever they want. There I don't give go. a shit. 
Yeah. I don't care what happens You're to these people. You're leaving money on the table. It's an election year. Come on. People love football. Dragon of Pandora. This is the movie that will heal the divide between nerds and jocks. <laughs> Finally. Oh. Well, you see, the racial metaphor is actually a metaphor for the nerds and jocks <laughs> narrative that we really feel like is splitting America at the Ooh. core. I feel like the the uh, the uh, the election year wedge issue that no one's willing to talk about is nerds, <laughs> nerds and jocks. And jocks. <laughs> oh, I'm not afraid to, to speak to it. I appreciate I'm, I'm, this. I'm is, a fucking truth teller on this right. issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? The PC yeah. police aren't going to stop you on this one. <laughs> They're not going to keep me from talking about Dragon Lord. Uh, I great. would wear okay. a Dragon Lord jersey. All right, we would keep. <laughs> I, I would wear a Dragon Lord jersey, no question ever. I would also write the like 75 page fake novel <laughs> within the thing. You know the, oh, I mean? the dragon to, like, Lord. Like, promo- right, right, yes. right. I see what you're saying. Like, in the movie, he has to be a fan of an actual, he has to be a fan of a, of a fantasy series. And so you have to actually yes. write the in world dragon Lord novels. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it. Yeah. They're actually called like someone's, it's like, it's like fantasy name Lord of Dragons, but the coach just calls him Dragon Lord. Or it might not have anything to do with Dragon. Oh, true. You know what I mean? And he's right. just like, all right, Dragon Lord. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're 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 casting McConaughey then as the coach, as the racist coach, because you just kind of yeah, slipped I, into that. Could be any Southern actor that I just did like 1965 to 1985 too. You know what I yeah, mean? Fair, fair. Uh, he also, whoever this evil racist coach is, right, who never learns, by the way. Right. He never, this is not a redemption story where he learns to be not racist. He's racist the whole way through. Yeah. It's the ingenuity of the players that, like, gets him through it. Right. right? We have to be clear on that. Yeah. But uh, he uh, he uses the word dragon lord like you would use a racial story. Oh, yeah, for sure. So hard it's real R uncomfortable the dragon lord. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I don't know how you get a hard R <laughs> in the R for Dragon, dragon Lord. Lord. I'm, I'm willing to. I don't know. It's not really. Dragon Lord. Dragon, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you're just a regular Dragon Lord. <laughs> we're we're kind of doing the, uh, like, the warden from Cool Hand We kind of are. Oh. Now, what we have here is a failure to understand the systematization of magic in the world. Oh. <laughs> You over there think magic should work through inference oh. in illogic. <laughs> over here, we have points and levels. <laughs> and I'm going to get you on oh. my page. God. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a mint this. julep in his hand. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm. 99 he, But he's just hanging out. He's, he's just, just hanging out. out. He has, meets a friend. Low Torning. He meets a friend. Yeah. The, the thing that you said before of like the sketch of Low Torning is great. The thing of like the the tides sometimes they 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 rise high enough there's only one island or there's there's three islands but they low they go down enough where that three islands becomes one big island instead is great um and and he meets this cool guy he meets this guy Pacharbi Pechvari <laughs> Pechvari yeah i don't yeah, yeah. hard to Pechvari you know. Pechvari Pechvari maybe yeah sure yeah. i don't know yeah and they're just they're just you know cracking in some cold ones you know, yeah. putting the boys oh. are back on back in town uh, on the radio and 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 learning how to do boats. 
the the way that the boat the way they meet the meet the meet cute between yeah. Ged and Petchfari all timer here where he's like I'm just a new wizard on the island mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing he goes over he sees him building the boat sees Petchfari building the boat and he's like Hey man uh, you know I'm a wizard I could like put a spell of binding on there or like uh, bring a it's like a spell of returning you know if it gets lost or if like it gets unmoored and goes on you'll be able to find it or it'll come back or whatever and and then the guy like kind of listens to him and gets like oh i've offended this boat swain <laughs> like oh shit this is the guy who makes boats why am i telling him how to make his boats better and then you know it's like you know the you know hands clasping meme right mm-hmm. like the, they're like uh, petchvar is like my this is a boat for my little son. Of course I want magic on that shit. Mm-hmm. After that, they came to work together often. All Love the it. time they're building boats. And again, the efficiency of this is Petrovari didn't exist a page ago. <laughs> you know, a full page <laughs> right. ago, there's no Petrovari. And then by the end of this page, there's a paragraph that begins. This is on 56. Along in the late autumn, the boat maker's son fell sick. And you're like, oh, no. Not Petrvari's son. <laughs> right. I who love Petrvari's son. Who, who has no name <laughs> at this point. It's Petrvari's like, son. What do you want else you need to know? That's the I homie. Know. Indeed. It's wild that it works that way. It's it's absolutely a testament to her ability as a writer where I could be like, oh no, Petrvari's son. Who has no name? <laughs> In this book who about I names. care about. Yeah. yeah, a book about names where it doesn't matter. Um, but he gets sick. I love this little piece. The mother sent for the witch woman of Teskyle, who was good at healing mm-hmm. and all seemed well for a day or two. I love this witch woman showing up. Yeah. If they, and, and thank God she did. Because they would have yeah. thought Ged was dead without her being like, wait a second. I know wizards. Wizards get weird sometimes. <laughs> Don't treat him like he's dead. Treat him like he's just sleepy. <laughs> because Ged well, yeah. goes into the death realm to try to get this kid back. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the child is dying of a fever, essentially, and is on like the precipice of death, and gets like doing all his magics. You know, he remember he hung out with the herb herb guy, the herb master, uh, when he was. <laughs> yeah, I knew back. a couple of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, you're telling me Ursula Le Guin doesn't have an herb master? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I read the books. Uh, but. But so he's like doing some of that in like as a last ditch effort. He does a thing that has not been discussed previously in the book, which is like, all right, I guess I'll send my spirit after him into the land of the dead. And the way that this is written mm-hmm. is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's so sad that Petchfari is like, listen, unnamed wife. He's got it. This is my guy, Ged. He's going to do it. Um, but yeah, he so he says, um, is on 57. Summoning his power all at once and with no thought for himself, he sent his spirit out after the child's spirit to bring it back home. He called the child's name Eoeth. There is oh, a name. he does have There's a name. name. Sorry. I forgot. Just sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I just asserted apologies that he didn't have a name. Yeah. yeah. Apologies to <sighs> everyone who was screaming and beating their chest uh, <laughs> about me saying it had no name. He did have a name. His name is Eoeth. Thinking some faint answer came in his inward hearing, came in his inward hearing he pursued, calling once more. Then he saw the little boy running fast and far ahead of him down a dark slope, the side of some vast hill. There was no sound. The stars above the hill were no stars his eyes had ever seen, yet he knew the constellations by name, the sheaf, the door, the one who turns, the tree. 
They were those stars that do not set, that are not paled by the coming of any day. He had followed the dying child too far. (sighs) Knowing he had found himself alone on the dark hillside, it was hard to turn back. Very hard. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's the kid dying. Yeah. And then when he turns... Go ahead. I was going to say, and then when he tries to leave, like that's when the shadow gets him. Yeah. Shadow's waiting by the door from the death realm. Waiting mm-hmm. by the big the stone wall that separates the death realm from the rest of reality. Uh, and he gets him. It gets him and he, he gets uh he gets he goes kind of comatose. Um everyone's like, uh, is he okay? And he's he'll, he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. He's his little kiss from his little otak. Oh yeah. Oh man, this it's, otak. Oh, it's dry leaf tongue. Yeah. Of course this otak was gonna die. At this moment, I didn't know, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I just didn't have a good, you know, hand on the creel here about whether or not the Otak. But as soon as this Otak brought him back from the dead, yeah, I've read enough Ursula Le Guin. I've read enough fairy tales, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a, another thing. I mean, two other things here. One is just that this little bit when he goes into the spirit of the the, the realm of the dead. Uh, sorry, the desert lands and lightless cities of the dead. Uh, he does so knowing it's a mistake, right? We, the, he, yeah. he does so because Petrari is his boy and because Petrari's wife is so sad. and Because he's so sad at the idea of, of uh, Eoeth being, being dying. But he says outright that he was taught, heal the wound, cure the illness, but let the dying spirit go. And he you know, disregards that. Uh, uh, an act of pride, but maybe more an act of care or an act of love, an act of wishing that you could help when you can't. Um, uh, but the thing that that I, a, a little maneuver that Le Guin is not afraid to make at the bottom of 57 is this sentence. Now, what Petrvari and his wife and the witch saw was this, which so many writers are afraid of priming the reader in that way, of just mm-hmm. saying out loud. Meanwhile, uh, some other characters were looking at uh, were looking at Ged, and Ged was doing all sorts of you know freaky wizard eye stuff like. Being willing to just say it outright is gives you so much. Uh, it gives you such an affordance with language because you don't have to like find your your perspective back into the room. You know, it, it's yeah, not like yeah. Ged could see through the eyes of the Otak hiding in the rafters or da, 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 da. no. It's fine. We're just over here now. By the way, over here, these three characters are watching this happen, and here's what they saw. Um, and it uses a sort of like you know, fairy tale or, or or oral storytelling narrator voice in a way that I think actually mm-hmm. is genre appropriate for the tale being told, right? It works. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, especially in the current moment, right? Science fiction and fantasy are both so naturalistic at this yep. point, like in, in by, you know, 2023, 2024, when we're talking. It's also a genre that changes pretty quickly, mm-hmm. especially now, right? Tastes and whatever, but... It is so naturalistic and so attached to first-person narration um, that I, I I would be kind of shocked to see this kind of thing. Uh, you know, like that kind of phrase show up as as priming mm-hmm. specifically. I, I think that's good language for it. Um, it it makes it read like a period piece. It makes it look like or read like something from the '60s or '70s, <laughs> which it is. <laughs> which is so yeah. that makes yeah. sense. But it would be hard to. It's I think weirdly enough, it is harder to write this today. I think an editor would put a weird line through that with a question mark. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, Michael, maybe you have different thoughts on that. No, I think that's good. Just say it. 
Like, it's great. It's it's I mean, after, uh, you know, five books of being trapped in one weirdo's first person narration head, it's awesome to have a narrator who can just be like, all right, so that's what was going on with him. What the other people saw was this. Yeah, <laughs> he stood up. He blazed white for some reason. He started screaming and screeching. Then he went to bed mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Ged's a real guy with, with when in doubt, go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> any, any major stressor, just go to bed. Like, who can't relate to that? Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Things things coming for you, right? Yeah. Issues in your life, you're, go to bed. For me to shadow so dark, you're forced to immediately go to sleep. Right? Yeah. 100%. How did you, you know, you never would have thought that Ged had you beat to Ged, that Ged 50 got years there. ago. Ged got there first. <laughs> And then he wakes up and his first thought is like, damn, I'm going to have to do something about those dragons. <laughs> yeah, I the love reason that I'm here yeah. my whole life, like my job. Well, yeah. like, so yeah. the, the, the reasoning, right, is like, I think the point is he was sent out there basically to guard against the dragons in case they made any incursions. Because his thinking is, shit, the shadow thing is after me. Right. I yeah. have I have these dragons that I'm supposed to be minding. I'm I'm fighting a war on two fronts. I need to take care of the the shadow thing, obviously. So it behooves me to uh, do what I can to hold the dragons at bay, and then set out and figure out what I can do with the shadow problem. But it also is yeah. such a deeply human, like feeling of like, what if I did all the work I need to do this month in the first week, and then I don't <laughs> do anything for the rest of the month. Or like, what do I just take four extra shifts this week, and then next week I can just chill? And like, that's just <laughs> such a deeply, and especially later in the book where it's confirmed that Get is 19, that is 100% yeah. me mm-hmm. at 19. What if I just do all the essays for this class this month, and then I never go to it again? Like, what if I carried all the groceries from the car? <laughs> in, at once, yes. 100%. In one time. Yeah. Then I wouldn't have to go back outside. Because what he could do is live here for 30 years, and then every, like, five years, one of these dragons shows up and, like, try something, and he puts it in its place. And yeah. then that's a life. He gets to live a whole life being a little a little island wizard. These islands are cool. You look at the map. There's 99 of them or whatever, and they're, like, little... You just spend your whole life going from island to island, learning about the 90 isles. And then, like, Pandora's just over there. Don't worry about it so much. Instead, this. I well, I love the way this is like resolved here. The thing that you're talking about, Michael, because it's he says he explains it to him. He's like, "Look, I got this thing going on. I got to do this." The Isle Man stared at him, all drop jawed. Lord Sparrowhawk, he said, "There are nine dragons out there." <laughs> <laughs> that is so we're talking about like a deeply human thing. Yeah. That is such a fight. Like this, like sixty-five year old. Uh, Dude, who and, like petitioned the wizard school and, and got a 19 year old. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but eight of them are babies. Eight of them are young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're mostly young, right? But he's like, but there's one big one that had all those. <laughs> I have a question before we do the full dragon thing, which is yeah. there's a moment on 58. Um uh after he, you know, he's woken up, he's thinking back about the night before, and, and it's this this bit uh from that time forth, he believed that the wise man is one who never sets him up. Uh, this is after the Otak has saved him. That's what it is. The Otak has, has uh, licked his face or whatever to wake him up, some connection back to the real world. Um, and I'll just read. Later, when Ged thought back upon that night, he knew that had none touched him when he lay thus spirit lost, had none called him back in some way, he might have been lost for good. 
It was only the dumb, instinctive wisdom of the beast who licks his hurt companion to comfort him. And yet in that wisdom, Ged saw something akin to his own power, something that went as deep as wizardry. From that time forth, he believed that the wise man is one who never sets himself apart from the other living things, whether they have speech or not. And in later years, he strove long to learn what can be learned in silence from the eyes of animals, the flight of birds, and the great slow gestures of trees. And this is about as didactic as I think the book has gotten um, uh, as a YA story, Mm -hmm. as as Le Guin saying, what does it mean to be a a good adult, to to come into adulthood, or or in Ged's case, manhood, in in some responsible and wise way. Um, And I'm a little torn on this. I think that this works here, right? But it is, it is, uh, it is kind of emblematic of a type of writing that I often don't like. I can't quite untangle. I mean, I like it because I like the Otak licking Gan, and I like Gan, and I like Le Guin, and I like the writing in general. But there is something here that's right on the ledge of too didactic for me. Um, and I'm actually curious because I don't read a lot of contemporary YA if this sort of phrasing still exists in contemporary fantasy YA or if it's just gone. There's kind of two questions there. Like, what do y'all think about this sort Mm -hmm. of pedagogical maneuver? And then also, where does that stand in contemporary YA at this point? Well, Um, I have not read a lot of contemporary YA, so I don't really know. Sure. (laughs) Um, uh, Like, I think the last actual YA that I read through would have been like The Hunger Games, which absolutely doesn't have anything like this. Uh, But I think the other thing like one of the reasons that this jumps out to me um, is that from time to time, this novel reminds us uh, through the narration that it's kind of like we are kind of reading the legend of Ged, mm-hmm. right? Like that there is kind of, uh, we you know, in Book of the New Sun, we were always talking about saints' lives and things. There's a little bit of that there where uh, we know from the jump that Ged is going to be a cool guy. Uh, but what is really fascinating about this book in general uh, is that the the wise Ged is very much always deferred to the future, right? Like the mm-hmm. biggest step toward the wise Ged is the end of this book. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, so we're, we occasionally get these little like reminders from the narrator like this one where it's like, and here's by, and I think that's one of the reasons why it does feel so didactic is that this is, this is Ged when he becomes an Ogion, right? This is Ged Yodified, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Uh, and that's, it's so not who the character is, but we know that the character is going to become something like that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's my, that, uh, yeah, I, within the, for the exact current moment of YA, I, I also similarly can't speak to that. Although I will say, I do think that current YA has become so relationship focused, and I don't even mean necessarily romantic relationship, but, but I think post Hunger Games in particular, that kind of sea change that happened in YA made it so, uh, character driven. Um, and this is this has happened across all of science fiction fantasy, right? Mm. That ca- character driven is the thing that that moves so much, right? Um, I think it's become so much that this would be out of place generally in that, right? Because you know the kind of signaling that Michael's talking about of like the legend of Ged or the kind of projective voice of and in that moment, blah 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 would happen, and so therefore he's like a good adult. I don't even know if that's like part of the language of YA. Right, point. that's kind of what um, that, that's my impression, yeah. but I'm just not in that space, you know, enough. Yeah, same. To, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Same. I mean, I dip in every now and again to mostly I, I find out about it through conversations with colleagues who like work in that. Sure. That know, makes sense. Literature. Like, I am. A, it's very funny that Michael was like, you know, the last thing I read was Hunger Games, which I know was. 10 years ago, um, mm-hmm. 14 years ago, I guess was the, the most, I guess there was a, a, a book of four, uh, four years ago, actually, but the, that core trilogy was 14 years ago now. To me, that is kind of what I meant when I said contemporary, but that might be oh, yeah. me simply thinking that Hunger Games kind of set a model that seems like it's been being chased for a decade, but but that's all me on the outside looking in. I just don't have yeah, the expertise. It, it does feel to me like the last sea change in the genre was or in the sector it's not really a genre in and of itself right but like mm. in the sector within its allied genres right? right is uh is the hunger games if only because what happened post hunger games is that one of the part of the demographics between you know the demographic element between harry potter and the hunger games then aged into like adult contemporary genre stuff right sure. so the kind of Sarah Moss um, kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Not urban fantasy, but whatever that thing is. Um, that that I don't know that I don't know if YA has had another hit that has warped the genre around itself as much as the Hunger Games. I guess is what I'm saying, gotcha. right? Because it's diffracted so much in the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes and sense. the people who read that have read they now have like a whole series of new kinds of genre work that are kind of at the edge of romance um and fantasy uh that that is guiding what they're reading to right, so i don't know right you go from that to reading divergent or reading these other things that are in similar spaces that then slowly branch out i can i can kind of see that yeah i hope i'm saying the name right but we should probably do like sarah moss at some point is that, is that two M A A S two A's. Yeah. Okay, I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a quarter thorn and roses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen, I've yeah. seen, I've seen uh, these books. Yeah, these uh, these books like dominate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I would do this. Like re- just like numerically, the, these are Stephen King numbers, right? Like right. they are just like like momentous uh, in terms of how many of these are kind of rolling around in the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, my students tell me a lot about them, but. Um, so there, so there is that. What was the other part of your question? How's it hit for you? Like reading oh, that sort it hits of great. Okay, yeah, yeah. hits great uh, for the same reason that Michael also talked about too. Because I like the kind of kick out to to he eventually makes his way to realizing that Ogion is right. Right. Yeah. Like Ogion might not have been right about the whole thing, but he is right about like communing with nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and in that way, it is still grounded in character work in an interesting way, right? Because it, this paragraph doesn't mean the same thing if we haven't had Ged reject that part of his relationship mm-hmm. with, or, or that that lesson from Ogion, and then you know now wrapping back around to, to realizing, ah, right, the world has things. I think it's the same stuff before yeah. about magic being local technology in some right. ways. Right? Well, it's 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 like if you uh, you know I don't know right like. If like maybe 30 years later, 
uh, Luke Skywalker went to an island by himself. Right, right, And, right. you know, that was like on some planet though. being yeah. like a weird fucking goofball, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, communing <sighs> with some weird animals and like speaking to nature and mm, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And like someone goes and bothers him, right? Like, I know that would never happen. No, that's what that probably wouldn't. They wouldn't make that movie. They wouldn't do that. No, no, I mean, no. that's, I think that's, I think that might be like a little too complicated. You know, just, I know that's, I know over there, Star Wars is your thing. Yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. I think, I'm just telling I think you, that might that be a little, like, let me just tell you, that wouldn't fly. That one, yeah, I think it might you. be a little elevated for what Star Wars has got going on. Yeah, we call it elevated science fiction. That's our new genre that we're using. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, elevated right. sci-fi. Yeah. The science yeah. is a metaphor for trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just calling it trauma fiction now, actually. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's the same maneuver. And look, it's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I like when the apprentice becomes the master. Yeah. And then gets a weird hobby. Uh, do you like it when the the wizard starts drowning dragons? Yeah, left and right. When, when they're left and right, where he was like, <laughs> and I was going to use my my spell of naming or my spell of binding, but they were coming from left and right, so I whipped around and got both of their asses. <laughs> You're know, like, damn, damn, good, damn, right, dragon cool. lord. <laughs> yeah, damn, dragon, you got it, dragon lord. <laughs> Just follow the dragon lord. <laughs> and it's just like, there's the bit where it's like he doesn't even need to raise his staff up. Whew. Flex on him, dragon lord. <laughs> Two dragons like the first rose up at the base of the highest tower. Even as the first one, they came driving straight at Ged. And even so, he caught both, hurled both down and drowned them. And he had not yet lifted up his wizard staff. That either hits or it doesn't. <laughs> And that's me. Oh, I'm also not hits. the fantasy guy. But that, you know, it either does or it doesn't. Yeah. It hits. It's cool. It does. That's a cool thing to do. He's him. Uh, Ged is him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ged is that guy. He is that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they go to Pandora, right? Which is like this ruined little island that's been taken over by the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a that's little, it's like a little, stuff. a little dark souls happened over there, right? It's like a little it, dark yeah. souls happened Right. Over it's, there. it's the, the ruined towers of the sea lords who fell immemorial time ago. And now they've been like the, the isle is considered haunted or bad luck. So dragons have taken up there because men don't tread there. And then also like a pre boss fight cutscene happens when the old dragon uh, yes. reveals itself. Mm-hmm. And it's like you thought it was the tower, but it, the, yeah. the top part was actually uh, just the dragon folded in. Yeah, I, w- I want to read this. Please. No. Cre- so this is after he has uh, whipped the ass of all the other baby dragons. Right. And then he says five. I have seen or six. I have seen five slain. Nine are told of come out worms. No creature moved nor voice spoke for a long while on the island, but only the waves beat loudly on the shore. Then Ged was aware that the highest tower slowly changed its shape, bulging out on one side as if it grew an arm. He feared dragon magic, for old dragons are very powerful and guileful in a sorcery like and unlike the sorcery of men. But a moment more and he saw that this was no trick of the dragon, but of his own eyes. What he had taken for a part of the tower was the shoulder of the dragon of Pendor as he uncurled his bulk and lifted himself slowly up. 
and then we get a big description of like the dragon and its particulars. But yeah, like that, like that's so cinematic, right? You can see that trick, the the way that the tower moves in like the background and then the mm-hmm. focus changes, right? Yeah. And then you realize, oh shit. This is at the end of the next paragraph. He glanced away from the oily green gaze that watched him and held up before him his staff that looked now like a splinter, like a twig. I even like the one before that, which is, Almost he stared into the dragon's eyes and was caught, for one cannot look into a dragon's eyes. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Don't look into a dragon's eyes. That's it. It's game over if you look into its eyes. They got other magic. Yeah. They they got got a whole other kind of magic going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be careful out there. But I love this whole thing where he's just like, he's like, you know, whipping dragon ass up and down the coastline here. And then the real dragon shows up. And he's like, uh oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been fighting babies. <laughs> and then I love the like characterization of the dragon. Uh, he's where, so cool. Right. Because yeah. the dragon is like, well, you're not going to get all my treasure by killing me. And get is like, I don't want your treasure. And then the dragon is offended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, don't you want to? Would you not like to come ashore and look at it, little wizard? It is worth looking at. <laughs> Well, then he's that bit where he's like, you know, ugh, I miss the old days. Man used to be greedy, you know? Yeah. Well, the good old days. <laughs> uh, and then they do a little a little back and forth negotiation, right? Where where, you know, uh he the dragon says, I could uh I could tell you the the name of the thing that that hunts you. I have that information, I have that knowledge. Maybe if you had the name, you could master it. Uh and and at this point, Ged is like torn between the thing he desperately wants, uh, which is to not be being chased anymore, and then his his duty to protect the ninety Isles and Lotorning. And uh, yeah. but also he's learned something, which is wait a second, I thought this thing chasing me was nameless. The new master, the new archmage, said that it was nameless, and the things from there don't have names. So how could the dragon know the name of this? This is something he kind of puts together later. He kind of mm-hmm. lays out for us. But this is the moment he learns it. Yeah, I think that guy might be full of shit because the other dude, I mean, we already knew. There's a cool thing that goes on here, right? Even up through Ojeon. But remember the other guy who was the name master Yeah, was like, everything has a name. And gets like, well, everything? And he says, yeah, everything has a but name. But at the man. end of the book, we do also learn about fish who don't care about their names. These particular fish, one of my favorite things, at the very end of the book, right. when they're out in the open sea, the, the Le Guin notes that there's a type of fish out here that don't know their own names and pay heed to no magic. And so, do they even have names, really? You have names, but yeah. if, the name, if the thing that a name is is a way for someone to control you or identify you or, or know, uh, summon you, all that other stuff, and this thing, ha- these fish supposedly have names, but none of that happens with them. I don't know. Maybe there is such a thing as something without a name. I like how vague this is. I like how there yeah. are. And also, there's the other half of this, which is like, does it, have, does it not have a name or has it not yet been given its name, the thing mm-hmm. chasing him, right? Right. Um, all that's fascinating to me. Competing name ideologies yeah. on Earthsea. This is this this is where it gets good for me. Frankly. Becoming uh like a content creator who is like constantly spouting off name theory. <laughs> oh, my new YouTube channel, Name yeah. Theory. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, he he does some research on this uh old dragon here. Gets his ass. It's great. You offer me safety. You threaten me. With what? 
with your name, Yuad. Ged's voice shook as he spoke the name, yet he spoke it clear and loud, clear and loud, clear and loud. At the sound of it, the old dragon held still, utterly still. A minute went by and another. So good. It's just good to be like, oh, shit, this old wizard's got me. He knows my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think the you think the dragon was like if i don't move he won't know if i'm here <laughs> you know he won't be able he, if i don't react maybe he'll think he got it wrong oh yeah that's fun you know what i mean yeah and i've then, done yeah, that before it, they someone up, says my name and you just keep walking you know what i mean yeah. being like maybe they'll maybe they'll think i didn't hear it <laughs> well and the thing that's great is he's like yeah you know uh he he learned it because he read a bunch of old dragon lore. There was this, the time that, you know, there was a dragon that spoiled the West of Oskol in the days of Alfarin, and it was driven by Oskol by a wizard named Elt, who was wise in names, and maybe this is that dragon. And it turns out it was that dragon. And then the dragon's like, fine, you may choose nine stones from my hoard, he said at last, <laughs> his voice hissing and whining in his long jaws. The best, take your choice, then go. I do not want your stones, Yavad. And this is the part that you loved, Austin. Yes. Where is men's greed gone? Men loved bright stones in the old days in the north. <laughs> this is this is actually just Andy Rooney. Uh, <laughs> where is men's greed gone? Men loved bright stones in the old days of the north. These days, men don't like stones at all. You no know one what really Rooney. grinds my gears? <laughs> exactly. It's a lack of greed in the hearts of men. Back when I was growing up, you couldn't have a ring or a jewel or a stone that wasn't coveted by the heart of a man. We dominated the, the horse lords that way, but no one will tell you that today. You can't even call them horse lords anymore. That's the that's the that's Rudy, the end right? Rudy. Yeah. yeah, you can't even call them horse lords anymore. <laughs> horse oh, now riders. I'm supposed to call them the Rohirrim. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you, we didn't used to play cowboys in Rohirrim. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You're like, oh, Andy Rudy, oh. man. I don't know, dude. Like, I totally kind of got this thing about the greed part. But, but after that, you took that. some turns. Yeah. 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 Maybe you don't need to be on TV every week. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he gets him to promise. Listen, you and, and your sons will never come into the archipelago. Now, I do think this was a fatal mistake. I don't think you got to say children here. I think you got to say you and your children will never come to the archipelago. Because mm. if he has a daughter, the daughter can come. And this is another Lord of the Rings trick. You You left the door open. For yeah. the little girl dragon to be like, they can't do shit about me, dad. <laughs> and then go in there and burn them up. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon comes sailing over and they're like, shit, it's wearing a little bow on its head. <laughs> it's like Miss Pac-Man, exactly. Aw, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, look, this is not this is not a world of, notably, it's a world of names and magic. Yeah. It's not really a world of riddles yet. Yeah. That's not true. We'll the get... Isle of Roke was all riddles. Yeah, but not like out in the world. We don't uh, we haven't so. seen back half yeah. of the book. I don't think there's a single riddle, is there? I don't I don't know. I don't think there's so. There's not even the riddle of steel in this world. Yeah. So uh, that might be it, right? The, like there's there's a kind of respect for the spirit of the law here. Yeah. yeah. I just think this is you're setting yourself up for a no man of dragon born, you know, type Maybe situation. That'll happen. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe that'll go on. I guess so. I guess I don't know. We got more books to read. Shit, we do. <laughs> like, a, like a lot more. I don't know if you're holding this book in your hands, but it's oh, fucking big. It's too big. 
I'm struggling. I know everyone's saying this. People uh, coast to coast have let me know this book too big. Uh I don't think it's too big. I think it's fine. I keep telling myself when we get in the middle, it'll be easier. But it's been fine. It it sits on the desk by (sighs) since my lap. Fine. I've been reading it in bed. It's worked out fine. I can't do the reading in my house. I have to read elsewhere. I went down to read this book. I went to a co-working space to read this book yesterday. I had to come in yeah. with this giant book and a and a cup of tea and said, Oh, what are you doing here today? Oh, I'm reading the tome. I brought the tome with me to read right. about the dragon. And you know what they said? They said, All right, Dragon Lord, have fun. Oh shit. <laughs> They're making fun of me at the co-working space. All right. Uh th- that that's your uh like Reddit am I the asshole? <laughs> I, I recently had to to speak tersely to the to, to the manager of the co-working space about calling me Dragon Lore. <laughs> Am I the asshole? Am I the asshole? Uh, hey, look, if it, 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 here's a simple way to think about the world you live in. Yeah. If you're calling other people Dragon Lord, you're probably an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Let me split that for you. But he does it. He gets rid of this dragon. He, he becomes does. Lord Sparrowhawk, like for real. For real, they're singing about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, all and over the islands. It's the only time he he feels confident. Yeah, people are singing his praises. He can sleep soundly. He doesn't feel the shadow knocking at the door. And like that's a pretty clean little metaphor about all the stuff that's going on here, right? That like yeah. he's feasting on the 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 pride that comes on with with uh, succeed successfully doing this big thing. Um, and and whatever safety that was brought to him, it was immediately then taken from him by the coldest thing a person could say to him in this moment. Uh, the next day he met with Petrovari, who said, I did not know you were so mighty, my lord. There was fear in that because he had dared to make Ged his friend, but there was reproach in it also. Ged had not saved a little child, though he had slain dragons. <laughs> I didn't know you were so mighty, dragon lord. Couldn't save uh, you with, could you? <laughs> Whew. Yeah, it's hard to hard to tell that guy whose kid's dead that's like, yeah, I almost like lost my whole shit. You know, like mm-hmm. I, my whole, I almost lost my spirit in the land of the dead with mm-hmm. constellations you won't see into your dust, my man. <laughs> you know, it's hard to explain that. It is hard to explain though, right? Because it's like you went and confronted yeah. the nine dragons and that was no big deal. But my kid was like, had the fever, the fever got him. But that's the way the world works, you know? Yeah, he didn't specialize in fever magic. <laughs> he specialized in dragon lore. And then they asked I mean? for a like, dragon guy. Yeah. Yeah. He put two pips into dragon shit. He didn't put any <laughs> pips in herbalism or whatever. Like, that's not... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. But yeah, he does feel bad, and he should feel bad. So well, and, like, okay. and I really love that those two paragraphs back-to-back of, like, everyone is cheering and saying his name and singing his praise, and he's able to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the next, literally the next day, Pedrari is like, don't forget... Don't forget what that you couldn't save my son. And instantly he's like, I got to get out of here. The, the shadow is coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I like that. I like that, you know, in the same way that the, the stuff we were talking about last time around, like his jealousy and hubris, right. Kind of makes him make a bad decision. Yep. That's like a good YA lesson, right? Like, uh, this is also, I think, a good like YA lesson in a book, right? And I do think that YA books are, you know, part of the, purpose of them is to be a little bit didactic so maybe that's why i'm a little bit more forgiving of these things when they happen to you like i just think that's like part of what's up when you write books for 12 year olds or whatever 
And I do like the like didactic lesson, right? That is, you can do everything you can do, and people won't they won't be happy just because you did everything you yeah. could do. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes you can do everything right, and you can try really hard, and people still are In unhappy the end, with you. It yeah. doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they, whatever they needed to happen didn't occur, right? And this one is obviously about like the death of a child. That's obviously pretty significant, right? But like broadly, we can extrapolate slightly. That's just part of life, right? You can do everything to the best of your ability and do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And it still does not produce a good outcome. And that's okay. And that's life. You got to live with it. That's life. Do you think that that anyone out there has ever thought about doing redubbing the Wendy Williams versus the Killer uh, clip uh, video of her talking about the shadow that's chasing her and wants to kill her? Because that's all I could think of while reading the rest of this book is Get is constantly <laughs> talking about how the shadow is out there. And yeah. if you've not seen the Wendy Williams clip, this is not going to hit for you. But everyone should just go look up Wendy Williams versus the Killer. So. Please do. Why did she determine? I've seen the clip, but why does she believe that's happening to her? Because she lives in society. She lives <laughs> in society, and the society is about terrifying you and making you believe right. that the killer is out for you. The killer is in disguise. Right. The killer is in your hallway. The killer yeah. is in your bathroom right now. You know, and yeah. she just embodies that that fear <laughs> deeply. Okay, got it. And All likewise, right. the shadow is there for Ged. He's got to go. He's got to get out of here. It's chasing him, and wherever he is is in danger. You know, shades of uh, guts from Berserk here. You know, it's it's haunting him around here. And uh, it, yeah, what do y'all make of this? So, like, he's kind of going around. And he's like just generally scared, right? Because he's got like this bad vibe, <laughs> bad vibe city going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he meets this like dude, the man yeah. in gray. Uh huh. What the hell is this shit? This sister. My my belief. Yeah. And I don't know. Is this this is like a like a Merlin, right? Oh, you think it's a Merlin? I, I mean, do we not learn that this guy is specifically sending people to Oskill to like feed them to the rock or something? I don't I think, think so. Basically, I. I'll be honest, I thought it was Randall Flagg. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of that vibe, you know? Well, um, he, he's from the future. He's from the future. Yeah. Let me yeah. See yeah, like he Merlin. has a cell phone. <laughs> he, he, he's constantly talking about telemetry. <laughs> no, he's like, he says something about like the legend of Ged. Oh, yeah, no, he says... Um, um, uh, he says, I do not know you, said the man in gray, yet I think perhaps yeah, we do yeah, not yeah. meet by chance. I heard a tale once of a young man, a scarred man, who won through darkness to great dominion, even to ki- kingship. I do not know if that is your tale, but I will tell you this. Go to the court of the Terranon. If you need a sword to fight shadows with, a staff of you would will not serve your need. Right, so he like knows what we read at the beginning of the book. Well, we don't know that he's going to become a king, right? We know he's going to become an archmage. Well, this is what I mean. It's like, I think this guy, I was, I swore we got like some little detail later that suggests I, that like yeah. he's in cahoots with the court because I took this as an appeal to vanity. Mm, yeah. Of course, yeah. Right? I, sure. I effectively believed him to be a projection of the Terranon or of the sorceress or of the king or like I, I effectively read him as 
like not just in cahoots, but like effectively the same being, you know, it's effectively part of whatever that that was, which is not that's not grounded in anything. But, you know, um, it's it's the stuff, Michael, I think maybe the stuff that you're thinking of is the stuff that uh, does come up in the court where he ends up saying stuff like, you know, um, this was this was either by chance uh, I forget the exact phrase. It's like this was either so by chance that it had to be designed, or designed in such a way that it, it could only ever you know appear as chance or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to meeting this guy, right? That's the yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like lines it up to say, going all the way back to when I met that weirdo. <laughs> you know, this all <laughs> kind of is just t- a little too clean, a little too a little mm-hmm. too obvious, a little too on the nose. Well, I accept all this, but find that but you to be, think he's from the future. You think he's no, dead from the I future. I think you're right. I think that, like in the in the book, it makes infinitely more sense for you to be right than for me to be right. But <laughs> I want him to be a fucking Merlin going backward in time mm. and like coming into know, be like, oh, I do remember this thing, right? I'm like a weird wizard. He's got like the old person's voice, but like in a not, or no, he's got a young person's voice in an old person's like look, right? right Isn't sure. that said here too? Right? I don't know. It is weird. I did read this and felt like I had missed something. So, or that I had like had to reread it to make sure I hadn't missed something. Mm -hmm. Oh, he does say here. Yeah. uh, I'm going to an island off the coast of Maine to torment some people during a very difficult storm. (laughs) So yeah, Uh I do. That that does make sense actually. Now that I'm (laughs) reading it again. Go listen Um, to Just King Things. If you're just listening to this podcast and not listening to Just King Things, you're missing out. You're only getting half the story. You're really only yeah. getting half the story. <laughs> only right. half the wizard you could be getting. <laughs> you could be getting so much more wizard in your life. <laughs> We've really had, uh, yeah, you kind of into 2023, into opening to 24, a lot of wizardry going on mm-hmm. in the Range Touch Network. Uh, so, but he buys this guy's story, says, all right, I'll go to Oskill to the court of the Terranon. Uh, and then I keep saying Oskill. It's Oskill. Oskill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oskill. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, all right, I'll go to the court of the Terranon. I'll get my sword or whatever I'm getting to fight the shadow. The stuff that you talked about earlier, Austin, about the uh, ship captain yep, happens, well, here. happens here. I have some mm-hmm. skill with winds, he says. It's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, then he's like on his way. Eventually well, he meets, meets this, this guy on the ship. Yeah. Skior. Yeah. Skior. Yeah. Skior. Skior. Mm-hmm. With an H at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, who a great little bit is is he realizes that Ged doesn't have a a knife. This is a yeah again once again here's some anthropology for you. Are you a slave or an oathbreaker, Caleb? Because what is what they're calling Ged because Caleb means red one, which is which is about Ged's skin tone. So that's what mm-hmm. these folks are, are naming Ged. Uh, uh, they really put the the hard B on Caleb. Um, uh, are you are you slave or oathbreaker? And he says neither. And Skior says, then why no uh, why no knife then? Afraid to fight, suggesting that like in this part of the world, if you are a free man uh, who is part of culture, not an oathbreaker, then then you must have, you carry a knife. That's part of what it is to be a man here, right? Um, which again lines up with what she's doing with Oskil in general. You know, the the man in gray saying, you can't fight with a staff. You need to go get a sword. Uh, and then eventually the the big speech about you have to fight darkness with darkness, right? Um, and then the stuff that we'll talk about at the end, which is her letter about this, or the, her note about this not being a book about war, right? Yeah. Um, I think yeah. this yes. is all aligned. I think this is all aligned to, to the way she sees the story she's telling. Mm-hmm. 
But then, yeah, he and Skior get off at the at the port of, of Oskol, and Skior's like, well, I'm going that way. I'm going deeper in. Mm-hmm. We can travel together. Well, uh, he sees Skior a little bit later, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they lock eyes, and Skior's just a shadow creature. <laughs> yeah, I guess he sees Skior briefly on the boat where things are a little weird, too. Right, and he's like Skior's yeah. face turned, and like mm-hmm. when he turned, mm-hmm. something was weird about him. Oh, they have. Uh, there's a interesting mention. Ged uh, dreams. How does it say? Yeah, but n- that night, as they lay in port in Eason, he dreamed, and Skior walked in his dreams. Afterwards, he avoided the man as best he could, and it seemed also that Skior kept away from him, and no more words passed between them. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that part. I was thinking about this on, on 73. Um, uh, your little dog fight for you, continued Skier after the knife thing. And Otak, said another who listened, no dog, that is Otak. And he said something in Oskillian that made Skior scowl and turn away. Just as he turned, Ged saw a change in his face, a slurring mm. and shifting of the features as if for a moment something had changed him, used him, looking out through his eyes sidelong at Ged. And so it's like, yeah, is something in Terranon looking out, or is the shadow already have his claws in uh, in in Skior looking out at him? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I think that's how we're supposed to take I it. I think that's right. It's like something's already in it, like in this moment of weakness, of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of poking its way out. I do like the idea that Skior doesn't know what a dog is, mm-hmm. and they're like, "My man, that's a chipmunk. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a weasel. <laughs> that is not." A- <laughs> that is not a dog. Like, he's like, oh, I don't know what a dog is. It's one of those dogs. Is that what your dogs do from your from the dog island? No. Why would you say not this? Not at all. Not even a little. Does it look like what? Does a dog live in your shirt collar? Oh. You weirdo. Do no. you think? Okay, here's my pitch. Do you think that's yeah. the shadow talking, and the shadow doesn't know <laughs> the name of things yet? It doesn't know what a dog. A dog. Yeah, maybe it doesn't not. know Otak. Yeah. It just knows I, like broad ideas. I believe in my heart because the thing, the shadow is Ged. Yes. Ged is the shadow, right? Yes. Well, I, believe- I think you can read that scene two different ways. That is what I believed going into that scene. And then I yeah. reread it and I was like, wait, is that not what happens here? Because you could also read it as Ged links himself to it, sharing yeah. the name and be- and making it be him. Not that yes. it was always him. Yes, but I previously, if you'd asked me to summarize this thing, I would have said exactly uh, no, what you actually, said. No, actually, I don't. I just said yes. I don't agree with that. Let's get to it. When we get to it because it's a bit. We have to read the text on it. But well, but the the reason I mention it, yes, absolutely. The reason I mention it here is that I think that if if it is Ged, it probably knows all the names that Ged knew, including at Ged. the time that he split off. Right. And I bet Ged knew what a dog was. I bet Ged knew what a dog. So was. I think Skior yeah. might yeah. just be well, a boat Well, wait guy. a minute. We don't get confirmation that Ged knows what a dog is. <laughs> Someone else has to step in and clarify that it's You're an right. attack. We don't. You're, you are right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, you like, think, do you think un, uninterrupted it would have been skewered and been like, nice dog you got there? And Ged would be like, that's right. This is my yeah, dog. Right. Yes. We were like, the, the interruption came at just the right time. Otherwise, Ged would have been like, I love my dog. <laughs> Like, do we have <laughs> just like pure Bill and Ted energy? <laughs> there needs to be a bigger. There's no like there. There's an Earthsea wiki, but there's not like a Wikipedia style Earthsea wiki <laughs> where it just has an entry for dog in the same a way. A dog was a <laughs> blah, blah, a small weasel like creature on 
You know, whatever that one island uh-huh. is. Yeah. Because that's how Wikipedia would interpret this. Uh, right? Dogs, also known as hounds, were a classification of non-sentient qual- <laughs> That's not true. They're sentient. What the fuck are you talking about? You don't know what sentient means, Wikipedia. Uh, I Yeah. Wait, is this from Wikipedia? Yeah, this is from Wikipedia. This has got to be some like hard SF nerd oh. division between sentience and sapience. That's like the only. No, because it would go the mean? other way. They would say non-sapient I- quadrupedal or sometimes hexapedal species of the galaxy they're saying non-sentient <sighs> yeah of yeah, course I it's sentient does, yeah, i don't know do they have a conception of like self and reality yes i think they'll be sentient are we talking about things. dogs or wikipedia editors <laughs> <laughs> no sentience Zing? is a lower sentience is a lower bar than sapience yeah right yeah yeah <laughs> but it's i think it needs uh like self-reflective capability I think most creatures, most animals have the ability to, I don't know. Look, we're, hey, we're on the same side here. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't know if every <sighs> Wikipedia editor agrees with that is what I'm saying. The soul of the Varactyl beast was considered simpler and purer than that of a sentient. All right, we're in the realm of souls. I have to close uh-huh. this card. Oh, that's the thing that Obi-Wan rides in the end of episode three when he's chasing Grievous. That's a, that's a Varactyl whose soul is too simple for it to have sentience. Okay, Star Wars mm. is bad, but I wish yeah. we had a Wikipedia for Earthsea where I could look up it, w- the history of the word dog inside of all of these stories. Yeah, you get the uh, the Earthsea uh, Wikipedia. It's just etymologies. Exactly. Like, that's it. With no <laughs> yeah. historical context, it's just... It's the lexicon Earthis, but for, yeah, 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 for exactly. Earthsea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it I'm is reading. interesting. I don't think Earthsea has those people, does it? I don't know. What? I, I don't know. I'm just uh, reading the uh, Wikipedia editor fights about uh, how the word sentience should be used to replace, or like, no, sapient should be used to replace sentient in all articles. This is what I'm okay. saying. I am okay. whoever said that. I agree with them on Wikipedia. All right, all right. Yeah. What if it was me? What if I? What if I have secretly <laughs> trapped you in an ongoing <laughs> argument that I've been having on? I have it. On the talk page of various wiki <laughs> articles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, straight up uh, the Star Wars wiki. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that sentience exists as a page, okay? Yeah. Uh, sapience doesn't. It's just sentience. But also, I love that there is canon and legends sentience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there G cannon on the on the division between sentience? We got rid of G cannon over here. This is the thing I, I know, so but fucked I, up. Have they got rid of it on the wiki too? They don't even acknowledge yeah, it. It's once all existed? just legends now. Legends oh is the big God. catch-all for every. It all got collapsed. Right. I knew that, but I thought for sure the fans would hold on to divisions within oh, legends. The fans are, but, are but you're saying something no. at the T to Big Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want it? You put it that way. <laughs> I can't wait till Big Mickey's teats enter the public domain. Hi there. It's it's blue. It's blue when I make it. We are recording late, and so I just want people to know why we're so punchy today. It is 10.30 p.m. It is, it is, it on is a Tuesday evening. night. It is in it's evening times. Oh, I make so much, everyone can have a little bit. That's a good Mickey. Oh, <laughs> I played all the Kingdom Hearts games. Did you? <laughs> oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Dude. Damn. Oh yeah, we did that episode. We're gonna do more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho ho. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, the witch uh, who trained Ged had a black dog. Okay. So okay. he knew what a dog was. That's great. <laughs> I checked the EPUB of this book. That's what I was going to ask you. Control F in the EPUB. You sure dog. did. <laughs> I sure did. Uh, he sees this dude. He sees uh, Skewer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, on the island here. He's he's at Osco. He sees Skewer. Skewer looks same. He's like, he's got shadow face. He's coming at him like... Uh, uh, episode two of, of the miniseries Lex, the Canadian science fiction thing. People who have seen that, they're going wild. This is exactly what it looks like. <laughs> I worship his shadow, all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. It comes at him and is like wrestling with him, tussling with him, whatever. He ends up stumbling into, breaking into, I, it's a little unclear, it's a little evocative language here, into a magical fort where the thing can't kill him, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a little bit of Conan storytelling almost, right? Yeah. Where it's like we we got there. There's Don't a fade to light here <laughs> right, in the in the right. visual adaptation of this for sure. You know, right? Yeah. Also, maybe literally, yeah. Lights swam and flashed in his eyes. He felt himself falling, and he felt himself caught even as he fell. But his mind, utterly spent, slid away into the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wakes up. Uh. <laughs> the uh. His his um, OTAC not around, not around. Mm-hmm. That's no good. Mm-mm. And uh, this lady, who is named, it's not Silver, Sarah. It, Sarah, but that means Silver in the local tongue, yeah. right? Yeah, I can remember that part. But and she basically just kind of like sells him a bill of goods here. Yeah, which is like there's a is it called the Terranon, the stone? I think that's right. I think it's called the Terranon. Yeah, because yeah, this yeah, is the court of Terranon. And it's really yeah, like yeah. literally the court of the stone, the Terranon stone, you know, the, mm-hmm. the stone called Terranon. This yeah. whole section is the most like, uh, and, you know, we're going to see several more of these, but it's the most movie made in the 80s uh-huh. of any of Oh, things. for sure. I mean, yeah, this is kind of a scene at a legend. Yeah. I yeah. have the Terranon here. Yeah. It's also uh, uh, early 90s Saturday morning cartoon Batman or X-Men where someone's mm-hmm. caught in a dream. Yeah. And Bra- Batman's like, I never, I'm Bruce Wayne in this dream, but I always think of myself as Batman. So this must be a dream. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Scarecrow blew some juice yeah, in his eyes got, or whatever. Yeah, he got the Scarecrow juice in his eyes. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want that to happen. Anytime that's happening in a, ga- in a video game, you're playing a superhero video game, anytime <laughs> you get poisoned or you get some juice blown in your eyes, you are in for the worst 20 minutes of video game <laughs> of your whole day. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, no. X and Y are inverted. I, <laughs> I was playing them damn Spider-Man games. That, that scorpion sting in your ass and then makes you, like, play through the worst shit ever. Oh, I haven't played it yet. I'm sorry. Sometimes you, like, got it. Sometimes Miles Morales got to go into, like, the negative zone with a dude. And you got to, like, f- zoom through people's emotions. Get that shit out of video games. I'm over it. Damn. I hate it every time. I don't want to see is like done the with literalization of the emotional. I'm so done with it. I the 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 fact that it's like, all right, I guess we're all living a dollhouse now. Your mind is like a doll's house. Cameron hasn't liked this since Max Payne read on that long red uh, blood trail through the dark abyss. 100%. Cut to me at like 2002, (laughs) like doing the thing where you could angle the camera down to be like, all right, there's a blood pattern down there. So I can spend the next 40 minutes reloading just (laughs) trying to jump to it and not die. Like you're playing Super Monkey Ball. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Yeah. And you know who did that successfully every time? Max Payne. Yes. Yeah, Max Canonically, Payne. Max Canonically, Payne did that. Yeah. They got to put that in the remake. Anyway, that, that's me on my high horse about these guys. I don't want to see the Scarecrow looking through like a big... So, does yeah, this not hit for you then because it's that for eight pages or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. It's the only part of the book I really just don't like. You don't like when he gets to the stone? I, I could I could take or leave like everything that before that. With yeah, him like because he's part. like he's dressed in finery and they're bringing him mm-hmm. wine and it's there is something like uh, unctuous or not unctuous is the wrong word it's like but there's something oily about all of this yeah. stuff early mm-hmm. on in this chapter like it feels suffocating and greasy and like too rich you know um, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is effective because that's what's happening to him um, but. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's like poorly written. I don't think the idea is not clearly communicated. It just is so close to what will eventually become very tropey, for lack of a better word, right? Yeah. Very dependable rebar right. for um what fantasy movies in the eighties. An enchantress slash seductress is going to try to or seductor is going to try to mislead you into yeah. a selfish decision, which you it it, it is really straightforward. Here. Yeah, patreon.com slash range touch, the episode where we talk about legends already yeah. up. There's what happens to her. Yeah. And to Mia Sarah and Legend. And, right? and I think that that is a much better version of this because it has the yeah. visual and it has mm-hmm. yeah. Tangerine Dream playing, which I like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, her dancing with that dress. Well, and then, like, this is the it, thing. It's like weirdly metaphorical and it's not metaphorical here at all. It is metaphorical. Literal. It is sensuous. It is, there is. There is something happening on the screen where you be like, oh, I get it. She is being seduced by darkness. Whereas here yeah. it is literally a woman saying only shadow can fight shadow. Only darkness can defeat the dark, which does not. Yeah. There's there's nothing there at this point. Yeah, Maybe mm-hmm. there was when this book came out, but not today. But I do love this is 81 where she's like, hey, go touch the tarragon. Right. And like get involved. The tarragon. And he's like <laughs> tarragon. Oh, what? oh, he said tarragon, yeah. which is another, tarragon. which is yeah, yeah. the marble thing. No, uh, no, that's like an herb. Yeah, yeah. sorry, tarragon or tarragon. Yeah, that's mist. tarragon mist. Tarragon right. mist, right? Yeah, tarragon humans, right? right. right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we gotta make more black bolts and stuff. Hey, you know who's cool? Oh by God, the way, we're not doing this. We're doing it. Black bolts. <laughs> black cool. bolt is not cool. Black bolts. He can't talk, and if he talks, he like blows your brain off. You know what I mean? He is cool. Hold on. And so what if he makes up. more of the inhumans by putting them in the Terrigen Mist, sometimes against their will? <laughs> Who doesn't? He's the king of the moon. He is the king of the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a teleport dog. Lockjaw's pretty cool. Lockjaw's super cool. And so is Black Bolt. So, and so is Medusa. The inhumans are cool. His All name right. is Blackagar no. Boltagon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> Excuse me. Blackagar like, Boltagon is dope. It's like, hey, my name's Black Bolt. Oh, yeah, is that short for anything? Yeah, Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> People will sometimes call him Lord Boltagon, which is the coolest part. Oh, that's kind of good. It is. Lord it's Boltagon good. is kind of fun. Blackagar Boltagon is the the like <laughs> fake fantasy name that I would use to say, Michael, is this the type of fantasy you don't like? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Blackagar Boltagon, and I'm here to summon the dragon. <laughs> I cast uh, level five darkness. 
He can't say anything. That's the thing. He actually can't. This is what he would sound like if, if you could hear his regular. This is voice, this so. is actually what. So like when there's a little bit of like nerd on nerd bullying that happens in the in our <laughs> in football Lord. movie. Yeah, it's when Dragon Lord he's like, all right, Blackagar Boltigon. He says that to like another <laughs> lineman and kind of shames him a little bit because yeah. he's trying to be part of the crowd. He's not. He's got to learn that that's like a bad impulse right. later on. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But he does do that. He doesn't uh, like. He likes fantasy. He doesn't like comic books. That's he likes right. fantasy novels. That's right. The guy's trying to show him one. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care about that. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want to talk about, though. <clears throat> uh, Ged's looking at this rock. Is it 81, 80? Where are we at? 81. Okay. 81. Middle of the page. And Ged's like, I'm not talking to that. The spirit. My lady, that spirit is sealed in a stone. And the stone is locked by a binding spell and blinding spell and charm of lock and ward and triple <laughs> fortress walls in a barren land. Not because it is precious, but because it can work great evil. I do not know what they told you when you came here, but you who are young and gentle hearted should never touch the thing or even look on it. It will not work you well. And I love that like Ged is like doing wizard stuff and looking at it, it's like this is not a place of honor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that level of like, uh oh, <laughs> this is some cursed bad stuff. Yeah. Let's maybe not look at this. I like the of it being the founding stone of the whole tower and like yeah. the room that it's in is eternally cold. Um, it's great. Yeah, and that, that yeah the is, fortress is a prison, right? It's a prison yeah, for it. For the yeah. stone. Yeah, it's cool. And and it's from before. Yeah, it's it, from before the world existed, right? Or before the islands of Earthsea were raised. Yeah, it was made before Segoy raised the islands from the world of the world from the open sea. It was made when the world itself was made and will endure until the end of the world. Time is nothing to it. If you lay your hand upon it and ask a question of it, it will answer according to the power that is in you. It has a voice if you know how to listen. It will speak of things that were and are and will be. It told of your coming long before you came to this land. Will you ask a question of it now? And then he refuses to you know, engage mm. with it. Smart mm. wizard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cause all this, I think very cool. I yeah. just, yeah. the setup and like the kind of framework around it, I'm less, less interested. Yeah. In. But like the, when we get to it, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Can I point out one cool thing about it? That is just very mm-hmm. small. Yeah. Always. Terranon. It means no earth. It came from before earth sea, mm. right? Tear non. Tear non. Yeah. Yeah. You're yep. right. God damn it. <laughs> you got us. Who's a wizard now, Michael? Well, Michael I know it's true the, names. The true names. Yeah. Uh, For I, I, hating fantasy so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. But maybe that's why Michael hates it so much. Because he's like <laughs> the the only real wizard. <laughs> right. Because, well, I think maybe maybe he's come to us from a world of magic and wizards, and it's kind of boring mm-hmm. to read about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does make sense. You know? Do you think, like, he's a Merlin? I think so. Okay. Yeah. You've never seen me age the right way. You're right. <laughs> oh, he's got me. <laughs> he's got me there. Uh, <laughs> but the, the thing that's uh, happening yeah. here is like the there. It, it, the vibe is the rock is really the one in control here. The rock yeah, has convinced yeah. the king that uh, that it will give it, it could seduce a wizard into power, you know, into its service. Uh, and therefore the king would get powerful. And the king has sort of mistreated Sarit enough that Sarit believes or is pretending to believe or pretending to say that she could use 
you know, uh, Ged Sparrowhawk to kind of like shake out from underneath the king. There's like a little like, there's a little like you kick the the mailman kicks the dog, the dog bites the, you know what I mean? Like that style of mm-hmm. thing is happening here. But it all comes back to evil stone in the wall or in the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like that the guy, you know, he's called the Lord. Of the, what's his name? Barad. Ben, it's not Bendorask. That's from Bendorask. It's not Bergos from Baldur's yeah. Gate. Uh, the uh, he's called the Lord of the Terranon, the and he's like I'm the Lord of the Stone. But yeah, as you're saying, it seems pretty clear that he's been like lured here. Mm-hmm. He's been pressed into service in in the same way that they're trying to press Ged into service. Yeah, right? you know, being taken over by the stone. I think that's rad. I also th- love the end of that where like the Lord comes out and he's like, all right, well, this didn't work. Wizard is too tricksy, whatever. Uh, I guess I'll turn you into a hag, right? He starts like doing magic on her, right? To be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing we don't get too often in the book, so it's fun when it shows up, is that you get the italicized magic words he's using mm-hmm. to really to really sell it. You know, to be like, it's not like you just use the the changing spell or whatever. You start seeing the words, and that's like, and then it gets like uh, hyphenated when it cuts off, right? And it's like, ooh, ooh, you like. You know, we didn't even get the full magic thing. I think that's fun. That's the kind of thing when I was a kid that I really keyed into. Uh, when like, there's oh, some, these are the words they're using. There's something else here, too, in terms of, like, the Le Guin magic system, which is uh, get step forward and struck the Lord's hands down with his own, saying as he did only one short word. And though he had no staff and stood on alien ground and evil ground, the domain of a dark power, yet his will prevailed. Benderesk stood still, his clouded eyes fixed, hateful and unseeing upon Sarat. And this is interesting, excuse me, this is interesting because it's like, oh, will is also a component in spell casting here. It's not that the other guy didn't have the words uh, and, and Ged did. It's that even here in, in this land he doesn't know, Ged's will overcame Benderex. So learning more about how magic works. And they try to get out of there. I like you can slap someone's hands and make their magic go away. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's fun. Like Get the image of, of that is extremely funny. Yeah. <laughs> Quit that. Stop. <laughs> what are mm-hmm. you doing? The, uh, yeah. And then they run away. She like absolutely murders some servants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? She, she turns their blood into mercury or something, she, right? She, she turns yeah, them. It's not cool. She, she says, uh, he, he's like, what spell did you cast on them? And she says, I ran hot lead in the marrow of their bones. They will <laughs> die of it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I guess we got to keep going. <laughs> like, we yeah. can talk about that later. You um, know, I don't have a lot of fears. Is that one of them, though? Now it is. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't before. I didn't know there were enchantresses running around. Who could do that? Around. Somewhere here, we find out that she is the the is, she's the she's the, the girl. girl from the beginning. Yeah, she's the girl yeah. from the beginning. Which, like, I don't know that. Fe- again, this feels like the blueprint in such a way. We're like, oh, a new cat. It's a little Scooby Doo. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Old Mister Murray, like, like it the might, only other like character it might be in this for children. <laughs> exactly right. But it's like, oh, it's the other woman. It's the one woman in this in this book. Okay, it's her again. You know, well, I it's even better than that, really, because it's there have been two women and, right. uh, you know, there's the lady of O and then also the, this this gal. Yes. And he at first he first thought it was the lady of O. He's <laughs> yes. like, oh, no, it wasn't the other woman. I know it's the first woman. I yeah. Know. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's even more pat than than it could be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think this is purely like I was saying before, right? Like the book kind of breaks in the middle with the dragon. 
and then everything that we saw before comes back in some way or lots of things we saw before come back in some yeah. way. And so th- this is how that kind of shakes out. But yeah, a little too pat. A bunch fun. of uh, botched beasts begin to come for them. Big black creatures harrying them both. Mm-hmm. She turns into a some sort of seagull to try to get away. He turns into a big hawk. Yeah. Gets the hell out of there. Uh, there's that note about how they can't chase him over the open sea because the old that. powers, capital O, capital P, will not cross over the sea, being bound each to an isle, a certain place, cave or stone or welling spring. Oof, that's cool. It's yeah, cool that's to, to bound some old powers to particular places. And he flies. Oh, it, oh, it's even better after that, right? Back went the black emanations. To the tower keep, or maybe the lord of the Terranon, Benderesque wept at their return and maybe laughed. Yeah. Because, like, maybe once you summon these things up to go do some stuff, you might not want them coming back home. Yeah. Yeah. That might be bad, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get flies to Ogion. Yeah. Who Who is, like, going hyper Yoda. <laughs> He's not even talking anymore. Yeah. Everyone's just, he, someone calls for him to help with something right and he did he refuses is that what he does that we learn he just he just ignores them basically yeah. there's a pirate problem no 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 and, and i think you're reading that the other way he they're looking for him oh, to piratic help. adventure yeah yeah because remember yeah, yeah, god yeah, is okay, a land okay. of pirates yeah. right um and, and right. so they go to this they go to yoda and they're like hey yoda can you help us do some piracy? Uh, and Ogion, who spoke to spiders on their webs and had been seen to uh, had been seen to great trees courteously, never said a word to the Lord of the Isle, who went away discontented. Uh, and here's a little Le Guin-ism. There was all there was perhaps some discontent or unease also in Ogion's mind. Da, 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 da. There's a lot of you know as a writer, one of my um, one of the things that kills me in my own writing when I when it happens and it slips past edits is if I use the same word twice in a paragraph. Right. Um, and Le Guin often, I think to to pretty good effect, will quickly follow up a word with the same word. So she uses discontented and discontent four words apart here, producing a sort of rhythm in the read um, that is is pretty effective. And again, she uses it. Maybe once a chapter, you know, it's not like a rare thing overall um, to the degree that I think it's actually part of a technique of writing and not just a, not just like she's slipping up and saying the same word mm-hmm. twice in a row. Um, the yeah. first time I read it, it like gave me bad vibes because it was like, oh, no, you use the same word twice in a row like this. You're going to mess with the flow of the of this paragraph, which as writers, you know, is like part of the craft. Um, but mm-hmm. but it, it eventually I, I started to read it in a way that totally does work for me. Yeah, I think part of it has to do with the age group she's aiming for. Right, mm-hmm. totally. Like the repetition does something. Yeah. I think there uh, quite a few times in this book, she uses the word work more than one time mm-hmm. in a paragraph. Um, and sometimes as a noun and sometimes as a verb. And and I, I noticed that a few times. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. John turns him back into a person. I love that when he turns him back into a person, he is like still covered in all of his like weird finery. Yeah. <laughs> but he's trembling and dull eyed, which is great too. Yeah, he's he's been hawked up for yeah. the past however long. Yeah. And eating as a hawk. I love that bit, which is like it's not just that you were a hawk for a little bit or a falcon or whatever, it's that he lived that way. Right, he was landing mm-hmm. as a hawk and not turning back into himself, but was drinking as a hawk and eating as a hawk. You know, 
It's mm-hmm. great. You you can go to youtube.com slash range touch uh to see uh our YouTube stuff. Morgani and I are continuing to go through Baldur's Gate 3 and Mages and Murder Dads in our new season of that. And we have a long conversation in a recent episode about um what happens when druids poop when they're in animal form. Mm-hmm. And is it more efficient? Mm-hmm. Is it better to turn into a cow and be able to recycle that material? Mm-hmm. Or is it better to turn into a fly to make as little material as possible? Hmm. Yeah, we have we got about forty minutes on that. That's mm-hmm. good. That sounds. Guess y'all want to check that. That out. sounds. It would need that much time. Yeah, yeah. To really take it seriously. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but yeah, I love all that kind of stuff, and I love the little aside that we get. That's like, hey, there's a bunch of dolphins in the inner sea, <laughs> but also that there's probably like a bunch of those dolphins that are wizards because it's like maybe more fun to be a dolphin than to be a person. <laughs> well, well, well Kurt you, Vonnegut slipping in here to ghost <laughs> just a little bit. But you 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 left out the context, which is she drops that a moment after dropping the story of Borger of Way, who turned yeah. into a bear for so long that he killed his, quote, own little son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without realizing it, and then was hunted down and slain. Those two things yeah. are back to back. Guy kills his own son because he stayed a bear too long, and, you know, some of those dolphins are probably just people having too much fun. <laughs> Look, turning into an animal uh, uh, sometimes kills children, but also allows you to have a lot of fun. I play Echo the Dolphin. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like whatever, you know, uh, Earthsea Drill, you know, he's got a banger tweet on this. <laughs> he I feel definitely certain. does, 100%. <laughs> Uh, and then we get the thing that you said before about Oyan. We talked about this. The evil thing, the shadow that hunts me has no name. All things have a name, said Oyan. So certainly that Ged dared not repeat what the Archmage Gensher had told him, that such mm-hmm. evil forces as he had loosed were nameless. The dragon Pendor indeed had offered to tell him the shadow's name, but he put little trust in the truth of that offer, nor did he believe Sarit's promise that the stone would tell him what he needed to know. Uh, but now that now that Ogeon said it, or Ogeon said it, yeah, it's probably true. Probably has a name. Um, and right. then l- later we get that great line um, uh, that is like, uh, infinite are the arguments of mages. Uh, this, this is in <laughs> one of the later chapters um, uh, about about this same thing. He's talking to he's talking to Vetch, and and he and he says, "Gentry the Archmage says there are there are not." names for the things of the Dark Realms. My master Ogeon said otherwise, and Vetch says, infinite are the arguments of mages. Vetch quoted with a smile that was somewhat grim. Um, and that I love. I love the idea that mm-hmm. there are competing schools of thought even inside of Simply Roke. Um, we also got a bunch of stuff in that past chapter mm-hmm. that was like, uh, oh yeah, the, the mages of Roke say that uh, there's stuff that you're not allowed to do, huh? Uh, well, let me tell you, there are wizardries of this world that, that go beyond Roke, buddy. Yeah. And they, and we already know that too, because like the thing that witches do, yeah. right. Is maybe a little bit different, not accounted for yeah. by Roke. And that uh, line that Michael, you read earlier about the dragon mm-hmm. magic being yeah. like, and unlike mm-hmm. men's magic is really fun. Yeah. I think I come down here on, you know, many are the arguments of mages. I accept that. But mm-hmm. also I think I come down on the Ogion side. And this is maybe why I also think that the shadow is always Ged. Right. Um, just just perhaps unclear, unclearly Ged, right? Uh, because I think the creature, like the dragon thinks the thing, or at least tells Ged it has a name and then it could produce it for him. Um, and the dragon doesn't seem to be a liar because the dragon is like honorable. It can mm-hmm. be bound by a promise, right? I mean, there's some fantasy shit going on there, right? But But it has like, 
super good wisdom because it's been around for like a billion years, mm-hmm. right? And Ogeon mm-hmm. is being produced for us here, right? As someone who was like transcended into a new realm of wisdom. And that realm of wisdom is like knowing that things have names. All things, yeah. I think that you're probably right. I also think the book reads better if what you think about is the shadow is the part of Ged that Ged doesn't want to confront and that Ged is afraid of becoming. Like, that's what the book is about. But when we get to that scene, there is this other way of reading it that is still interesting, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think because ultimately, so he has this uh, meeting with Ogion, he says, all right, well, you you need to go like, you loose the shadow. Yeah. Right? In the way that you would loose a fox, right? The language I think is on purpose, right? Or you would lose a hawk, maybe, to do hunting. Um, and now you got to go hunt that thing down. So, like, Ged just, like, kind of takes off. And the last few chapters are about him kind of um, looking for it and having kind of some false starts and eventually getting there. Mm-hmm. I do um, love that he gives mm-hmm. um, he gives Ged, before he leaves, a, a, a new staff of, of you would. The thing that, that the man in gray in Oskol or in the city outside of Oskol or whatever said, you know, a, a you wood staff isn't going to serve you. You need a sword. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I also love that the wood was originally chosen for a long bow, but then was, was you kind of sacrificed for uh, the staff instead. Uh, there's, there's mm-hmm. stuff happening there to unpack around identity and, and multi, you know, multifarious, you know, possibility. And the, the wood could be a bow or a staff, then, but but it was a staff, and just as the archmage gave him the staff of you would, so does Ogeon. There's something. There's a through line in Ged that makes it speak to him in that way, or that that speaks from Ged to the world that says, "Now that boy, he needs a you would staff," which is cool. It is cool. But yeah, uh, he he decides. He says, "I don't ever want to fight a shadow on land again." And who among us, yeah. you know, hasn't mm-hmm. muttered that once or twice? And he and he has uh, he has some wins on water, right? He beat the dragon on yeah. water, so why yeah. not home field advantage? You know? Yeah, I don't think he likes it rushing at him. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. he like I think he likes water. You know, as a mediator. Uh, but he, he decides to do that. He goes and fights the shadow. He calls it to him. I do like the little detail where he says, uh, or the narrator says, because he called it to him, he saw it first. Yeah, I like that. That's fun. And again, that's, a, that's some good, good, like rules of the universe kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, there's the bit which is like out on the sea that uh, rise storms and monsters, but no evil powers. Evil is of Earth. Oh, OK. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder I've been experiencing so much evil. We got to get out of the Earth. We got to go to the oceans. Yeah. People meet me in the ocean. We're going to things will be different. I'm going to build just a little community of like minded folks out in the ocean. It's going to mm-hmm. go great. Yeah, patreon.com slash range touch if you want to build a community in the ocean. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they, fight. they fight. He fights the shadow. He shows up like, on the, this is, do they, where does he fight him the first time? Is, he, is this the crash or is this that he's in mm-hmm. the boat with him? He's, this is like they crash the boat. He runs yeah, the, the boat around. The boat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, the boat gets like smashed in twain. Right. And he's yeah. got like, what he washes up on the beach. Right. And we have the weirdest <laughs> this is thing weird. that happens in this whole book. This is and weird. I'm very curious, specifically, this is, I don't want to typecast you. Uh, this is a Michael Lutz moment. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I just feel like you enjoyed this too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is this is maybe my favorite <laughs> part of the whole book. I knew it. I knew it in my heart. I was reading it. I was like, this is weird as shit. It doesn't fit in the rest of this whole book. So he's like, 
I don't know, you you talk through it. What so, did you like about so, it? So Ged yeah. ends up on this uh, island. An island is even being rather generous, right? It's it's like <laughs> a, it's like a couple of sandbars kind of in the middle of the ocean uh, on which is a little hut where live an old man and an old woman who do not speak the same language Ged does and are terrified of him, like absolutely terrified. Uh, and so he spends several days living on this uh, uh, deserted island with them. Uh, trying to convince them that he's not going to like destroy them or something. Uh, and then eventually the woman uh, brings him. What is it? Is it like the like the shift, like the baby clothes or something? It's her baby clothes. Yes. It's a dress yeah. that from when she was a child. Yes. Uh, he realized it's it's like a child's dress and it's a very fine, fancy dress. And he realizes that it's her dress from when she's a baby. Uh, and he puts together that they were uh probably uh like cargish uh nobles or something like he 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 knows that they're kind of in the general area or vicinity of karg uh and probably due to some sort of like politicking uh their dynasty or house or whatever fell out of favor and they were probably sentenced to death but rather than kill children, they just put these two kids on a boat and like send it out to sea and, you know, let let, uh, uh, I guess, Segoy take care of it. Um, but instead, they washed up here and they've just been living their entire lives together up and up until old age. Right. Uh, and it is incredible. It's not clear that she can speak at all. Yeah. The, the, it's not even like they're talking in Kargish. The the dude speaks some amount. He recognizes the word Kargad, but yeah. that's it. They don't even talk after that. So it's the vibes are creepy here on this island. I would say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and we sad. get like a weird little VC Andrews book, like right here in the yeah. middle. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. It's very weird. And like Ged gets this this like perfect mental picture of like a ten year old boy and his like four-year-old sister dumped on this island. Oh, yeah. Her, her dress has the Kargad Empire's, like, emblem on it. That's how he puts oh, it together. Oh, you mean the double there. arrow of the god brothers of the Kargad yes. Empire? Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> so easily forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> or the, yeah, I get it. So the Kargads are the, uh, they're the, Kind of pseudo Vikings from mm-hmm. the beginning, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But also a little bit of uh, Rome here too, right? Mm-hmm. With the brothers. Oh sure, yeah, the yeah. God brothers, yeah. yeah and then and then there's the sequel drop here that you talked about, Cameron. But oh the, yeah. But the truth. Uh, of but this the truth guess. of this guess he did not <laughs> learn until later, years later. The quest of the Ring of Arathok Bay led him to the Kargad lands and to the tombs of Adawan. New paragraph. Doom, 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 doom. This is Sam, yeah, Sam Jackson showing up. He's recruiting Ged <laughs> to, <laughs> to the Avengers. <laughs> I guess if you don't know, if you don't know the tombs of Adawan is the next book we're reading, you might be like, huh, weird. But yeah, but but then I mean, flip side. Imagine like you know reading this book and then like going to the the bookstore, yeah, and being like, "Holy shit, the tombs of I read about yeah. that in the last book." Yeah, yeah I cool. like this Earthsea. Is there any other more yeah. of this Earthsea? And the, the shopkeep goes, uh, "You want to check uh, the second book, the Tombs of Adawan? The Tombs of Adawan." 
Well, it's also it's it's part of the uh, like the legend of Ged thing, right? That's right. that's how you can yeah. get away with this. Like mm-hmm. like what is now obviously a sequel hook is here part of the. It is a little out of step in that it is highly specific in a way that mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been up until this point, but it still reads in that kind of mode. It's like, and just in case you forgot, Ged was going to grow up and become a badass and do all sorts of shit that we're not <laughs> yeah. actually going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's also part of, like, I, I know I mentioned it last time, but I, I really don't think it can be understated. That's the Conan part, right? Yes. Like, yeah. This uh-huh. also happens in Conan stories. Uh-huh. Um, and, like... It's clear that that Le Guin is influenced by that stuff, which I don't think I think there's some I don't know disavowal, right? But there's some like unwillingness maybe to link her to that tradition mm. uh, because of all the things we associate with that. But like yeah. I just feel like Robert E. Howard's like in the DNA here, right? Uh, which is cool. Like I think that's good. I don't think that's like a thing to to back away from. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think you're correct that um the the popular sense of Conan is so at odds with like Le Guin's whole deal that it means we overlook like that Lynn or that Le Guin here is um like picking up a little bit of the art, right? That there mm-hmm. is in fact like prose to the Conan stories. Like that they, they yeah. have a style to them and uh that can be worked in other contexts. I'm just gonna do a quick search in this uh critical companion to Wizard of Earth Sea I have here and see if Conan comes up at all. No. Huh wild even just for context you would think that there would be some yep. conversation yeah well i thought about it because this particular uh book is very like is very much talking about Le Guin within the tradition of fantasy but uh specifically like with predane and like uh lord of the rings sure um, mm-hmm. so yeah like but conan doesn't show up at all fascinating how about yep. how about robert e howard maybe they're like broad nope hmm. nope huh Okay. Yeah, well. I mean, also, I'm you know, you, this could be a uh, this could be a New Testament scenario, right? Uh we you know, we got to we can't get stray too far away from Catholicism here, right? There mm-hmm. could be a uh, like a hidden third text, right, that they are sure. both pulling right. from. Uh that that I am identifying heavily, but th- this maneuver and a lot of the maneuvers in this book in terms of like kicking out to myth and mythology about the characters, it just reads a lot like a uh, Robert E. Howard. I was looking to see when uh, when Lankmar starts. It's around right here, 1968 ish. Hmm. Have y'all read the Lankmar novels? No. Fawford no. and the Gray Mauser. Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> Fritz Leiber's like uh, Conan pastiche kind of thing. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, we gotta I've, read one. Yeah. I mean, I've we'll read Fritz Leiber. There, I think I've maybe read some of the short stories. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think a chunk of them. The first things that were written were just short stories. Well, we will do some of them uh, at some point. They're very fun, but they're him like d- doing semi-comedic Conan stories, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like two thieves who like similar to Conan, kind of like move through stations in life. Um, I know that they were being published like way earlier. But I think they started being published in volumes, like in collected volumes for the short stories um, in the 60s. So uh, anyway, very cool. I think yeah, I think y'all will like them. We'll do we'll do a couple of them at some point. The uh, I don't how, how does he leave this place? I've forgotten. Uh, uh, fixes up the boat. Yeah. Oh, he just fixes the boat. Does some magical mind. Well, and specifically, it, it is it is the move from he has a boat because 
he when he when he leaves Gaunt, he leaves Gaunt on a boat that he has bought in exchange for doing some more magic charms, right? He like charms the the a different boat for from a fisherman. Uh, if I'm remembering right, and in exchange gets a boat, right? And then, mm-hmm. and is this right? Am I right about this? I think I'm right about this. Or does he build yeah, his boat? When he leaves is this, Gaunt? This yeah. is when he builds his boat, right? When does he build um, his good boat? Is that when he's leaving Ogion? Yeah. Because um, I actually loved all that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the... the uh, yeah, that stuff is all yeah, really cool. It's on cool. 93. When the spell was made whole and cast, he was very weary. He slept the night in the fisherman's hut. He he gets the boat from the fisherman and then does stuff to it. Right. I, the thing that yeah. I remember is, and I couldn't remember if that was here or later, where the the people are watching him work the boat, and the people in the village are like, oh my god, look at this cool wizard making a sail out of magic. Or like, you know, remaking the sale out of magic or whatever. I can't remember if this is here or later on. That stuff's great. But here, the point is he doesn't have what he needs to like build a proper boat. So he has to just constantly reapply the binding spells on the like raft he has built from the wood that's washed up and what he had remaining from his boat that broke apart, you know? That would have made Castaway better. That would have made. He should have loaned magic. Is yeah, <laughs> At the end, he had to like constantly re redo the... The uh, the cantrip of binding. Mm-hmm. It's like the last forty minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, um, and then yeah, he gets out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the second is the is it from here? It's the second time that he runs into the the shadow, or is it again? Does he get a different different boat? There's a lot of there's this whole the back second time section. the second time he fights with the shadow is when he like turns around and he's like oh shit the shadow's on the boat with me yes. and then they fight yes I, mm-hmm. but yeah similar to you I'm having a hard time like distinguishing these events from one another in time which is wild because I did not read this all that long ago um, it it does I will say these last three chapters kind of start running together because what's happening in them is not all that different after yeah. he leaves Ogeon. He just fights the shadow several times. Eventually, gets Vetch. Why don't we just skip to when he gets his? Body? I do want to say that's kind I, of the only thing that matters. The, I do like the part where he gets a where he gets a boat and he gets the boat by curing a guy's old cataracts. And the guy is like, "We called that boat the Sanderling, but you should call her the Look Far and paint eyes on her prow. And my thanks will look out of that blind wood for you and keep uh, and keep you from rock and reef." Uh, and I like that because it's a cool old guy being a cool old guy. And it's also a great little like folk magic thing, like a, mm-hmm. just a conversational. Like you should draw eyes on that; that'll help. Trust me. Um, and there's a lot of that in this world, and I like it. Look, I know stuff. Yeah, and uh, and this is going to be the kind of thing that really gets stuff going. Yeah, but then he, yeah, you're right. He ends up he ends up escaping from the 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 shadow again and winding up on the same set of islands or the same big island that Vetch is from. And everyone is like, yeah, listen, man, you're a wizard. We already got a wizard. We have a cool, we got a cool as shit wizard. And there's only one wizard per town around here. You know, town he's big from here. Wizard. He's, he's our guy. Yeah, he's exactly. The hometown hero. Exactly. That's our dragon lord. Um, but eventually he just runs into Vetch in the, in the street. And that moment's great because, because he runs into Vetch 
And it's it's uh, he followed and caught up with the pair coming up beside them in the late twilight lit only by distant lantern gleams. The girl stepped back, but the man stared at him and then flung up the staff he carried, holding it between them as a barrier to ward off the threat or active evil. And that was somewhat more than Ged could bear. His voice shook a little as he said, I thought you would know me, Vetch. Even then, Vetch hesitated for a moment. I do know you he said, and lowered the staff and took Ged's hand and hugged him round the shoulders. I do know you. Welcome, my friend, welcome. And, and then they're, they're friends again. But that moment of fear of, you know, not being recognized by your friend, which I guess is actually unfolded moments later as being, oh, actually, I saw you the other day because the shadow is running around. The killer is running around with your face on. You know, mm-hmm. there, the shadow's out here. And people keep seeing someone who looks like you ahead of you now by a day, uh, which is great. And reinforces the read that I think I came in with and that you still have, which is, it's it's him. It's The shadow is him. It's part of him. Mm-hmm. At least now, right? Like, it yeah, may be, sure. maybe part of what could be, you know, kind of meeting in the middle of the two reads that we'll talk about is that the moment that Ged begins to hunt is the moment that he begins changing the shadow, right? Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Right? Producing this kind of transformation in it because it's narrowing it down and it's fleeing from him, which mm-hmm. is also uh, now it is in the position he used to be in, right? There's all this kind of mirroring of of stuff. Yeah. The book itself is beginning to to mirror, right? So I don't know. Uh, but certainly people are seeing Ged now. Yeah. Right? What do you think of Vetch's sister and brother? And cool mm-hmm. house. There's that great bit where, where Ged is like, now this is how a wizard should live. Or this is how a man should live. <laughs> it's warm in here. I got slippers on. Uh, Asteriol, Vetch's real name. Oh, right, Asteriol. Yeah, they keep using their real names. They got to chill. Uh, Ged spoke low when he said it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I do love, so Yarrow is his sister's name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Ged's kind of uh, taken a little bit with Yarrow, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually uh, Vetch tells him her real name and Ged immediately says, I don't think you should tell me that, man. <laughs> I don't think you should do that. But the thing is, Ged already knew it in his heart. Because he, yeah. he says to Vetch is like, there's something about your sister, man. It's like, she's like one of those little minnows where like they're, they're, uh, they look really vulnerable in the sea, but like you couldn't catch them. They're too, they're too got, you know, uh, wily, you know, they can't be caught. And Vetch is like, wait a second. Do you, that her real name is, is whatever, which means mm-hmm. minnow. You knew mm-hmm. it. Uh-huh. You're a real, you're a real wizard, man. <laughs> And yeah, Vetch is like, being like, don't talk about my, don't call my sister a minnow. <laughs> <laughs> On Earthsea, you start calling ladies minnows, you know what I mean? Like, that really starts signaling what uh-huh. you're up to. It's a red flag. It's at least it's a, a huge red flag. It's at flag. least a beige flag. But yeah, I like their whole little thing. She's got an animal companion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does, the it. cool dragon. When yeah. he is fleeing the evil yeah. place, yeah. the evil fort, he finds they have killed his Otak. Yep. Shit. And that's when he like goes full hawk. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm not about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. But sad. Weirdly enough, not really given a lot of uh you, you know, like in another kind of of book like this, right? Especially YA that comes on later, the animal companion is like bone deep attached yeah. to the narrative, right? And if it like dies or something happens to it, it's like you know, you it's kick the dog, right? Yeah. Like it, it is, yeah. it signals something about the world. Here it's just like, yeah, things things get killed. This was a dangerous position. Um, it's bad, 
people bring it up. They're like, where's your OTAC? He's like, I don't have an OTAC anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to talk about it. It's a very human and normal <laughs> reaction. People bring it up. Right? They go, where's your dog? And he's like, ah, it's not a, it wasn't a dog. That's not what dogs are. But I think that it comes up here in a sense because Yarrow has the dragonling, the little, yeah. what is that thing yeah. called? It's called a Hereki. Yeah. yeah. Got, got a real, uh, like, Finnish kind of name to it, I think. Yeah. Hereki. Yeah. And that's uh, like a fun, go. like the the wheels turns, right? There's a new, you know, here's a, here's a new young protagonist just off just off screen or just at the side of the screen who's going to have, who has her own little dragon adventure, mm-hmm. you know, coming maybe. I don't know if that's she's true just or not, like him. She's just like you know, the world produces young precocious kids with dragon pets or with with cool animal pets, you know. Yeah, people like an animal. It is as he tells her uh, all one sentence, you know. Um, uh, they have this big discussion about the nature of magic, which we talked about before, and like, why not? Why can't you just summon a meat pie, you know, or or mm-hmm. whatever? And at one point, she's like, "Now wait a second, I see people make light all the time," and Ged draws a line uh, between the di- or, or, or uh, separates the sort of summoning or illusion magic and making light. He says, light is a power, a great power by which we exist, but which exists beyond our needs in itself. Sunlight and starlight are time and time is light. In the sunlight, in the days and years, life is. In a dark place, life may call upon the light, naming it. But usually when you see a wizard name or call upon something, some object to appear that is not the same he calls upon mm-hmm. no power greater than himself what appears is illusion only uh, and then later explains you know uh, she says well what other great powers are there besides the light this is 112 it is no secret all power is one source in the end i th- and is one in source and end i think years and distances stars and candles water and wind and wizardry the craft in a man's hand and the wisdom in a tree's root they all arise together. My name and yours and the true name of the sun or a spring of water or an unborn child are all are syllables of the great word that is very slowly spoken by the shining of the stars. There is no other power, no other name. I find this as painfully didactic as the things you were talking about earlier. I think i'm a little i'm i'm torn on both of them honestly because this is just so new agey to me right like yeah. even before like that like that like this is a, appropriate to the time period this is hippie i right? mean this it is, is it is janice stuff. joplin saying it's all one fucking day right, right. it is <laughs> it is you know there is a sort of like we're all connected man it is yes. george lucas being like well the force is kind of just stolen from various other religions and then stitched together with some new age hippie spiritualist vibes you know yeah yeah i mean i like the this is better written than the other stuff we were talking about before <laughs> but but i find it similarly like all right but you, it's okay to bang me over the head about it but um i i wish i wish the answer wasn't like it's all one thing man i'm a little I wish the answer is like i don't know there's a demon that lives here see, no. and it, like its blood <laughs> is the source of all pet you know you what want I mean? like, the, that's the, the bloody into. demiurge you want the yeah. i think if you're gonna have a thing at the end of it all, I don't mind the thing being like spiritual actor network theory. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't like reject the book. Over. I, think you get, like, I think you get to an end of a book about a wizard and you're going to leave it going, where does the wizard get their power? And I yeah. think it's probably worth having a paragraph about that. I do yeah. think it's a little wishy-washy or a little like, 
I guess so. <laughs> you know, right? That's how okay, I feel. About it. That's exactly the way. Okay, sure. Yeah. And also, like, Ged's nineteen. We Ged got a bunch of books to read. I bet yeah. this will change. Yeah. You know, I bet the explanation of what is the, you know, the kind of circuitry behind the world, right? I bet that will be different mm-hmm. at some point. But uh, I love the thing that comes next. So, like, this whole thing is him recruiting Vetch, basically, right? Yeah. And all these people on the island are like, "Hey." What the hell, man? You're our wizard. You can't just <laughs> yeah. go away. And he says, Vetch says the, the coolest thing here, right? He says, uh, I am yours by parentage and custom and by duty undertaken towards you. I am your wizard. But it is time he recalled that though I am a servant, I'm not your servant. Whew. When I'm free to come back, I will come back. Till then, farewell. Get him, Vetch. That's, That's right. good. It's been like, <laughs> I got shit to do. Yeah. I gotta go help I my went, boy. I went to wizard school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a thing running throughout the back half of this, by the way, that we we didn't hit that, but it's still relevant here with Vetch, which is that characters start to know the rules of the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back to the man in gray being like, you need a magic sword to go fight the, the dark. Um, but but also there is stuff in uh, in the terror, the what's Terranon, Terranon, the Terrigen right? ter- yeah. mists, the Terrigen yeah. mists, um, where where I want to say the the woman i forget what her actual name is Saril, sarit sarit Sarit. Mm -hmm. is like he who throws away his power player Saril, yeah (laughs) finnish starcraft player yeah that's it that's them right here in the in the dark castle uh she says like um because he's like i don't have any power anymore i i screwed up i don't have that and she's like he who throws away his power is filled sometimes with a great a far greater power and there's a lot of people being like i know how this how stories about heroes go ged uh, throughout this entire back half of the book, once he becomes Dragon Lord forward, everyone is like schooled in the shape of the hero's journey or some other mythic, sh- you know, narrative shape, the, 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 the shape of the saga, the shape of the epic, and is mm-hmm. ready to deploy it conversationally to get him to like do what they want or to get him to chill out and accept that things might go okay, which is more Vetch's vibe, you know? So I like that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, betching him good. go out in the ocean. Yeah, and basically, I just kind of keep seeing people who are like, "Hey, man, uh, we just saw you like two days ago, and it's freaking everybody out." So mm-hmm. uh, why don't you get going? The thing that we have, I think, Michael, did you also mark the Mad Wizard? <laughs> yes, I think we all did we all pick we all, out Mad Wizard page one sixteen. I mean, I, I specifically said before we recorded, I'm not putting anything in the document. Oh, that was so that's that's Cameron. You're a mad wizard. You wrote mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm mad, but I'm asking when you did it, did you like when you read it? Were you like, we got to talk about the mad wizard? No, well, I was because it has a killer <laughs> I line. I love this dude. They show up and he's a is he, and they're like immediately they're like, there's a mad wizard because there's a, a sorcerer in town who is constantly being like. At the bottom of this island, there's like these fish that are that are biting that are biting like the core of the island. They're gonna bite through it. It's gonna like float away or sink or whatever. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be really bad. And then he's like normal, right? He's like having. He's not bringing it up at all. And they're like, okay, maybe this guy's just got like a thing he cares about, and he'll leave us alone. And nope, like a little ways into it, he just can't let it go. <laughs> he's got to go back to it. He calls them he's spies like, and servants of the sea snake. Oh, yeah, he's like full QAnon about the sea snake, right? Like, at the end of every rainbow, there's the sea snake and its agents. That's great to me. I love that. Shades of uh, fear of Erebus and Abaya here. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, and there's the, the incredible line. Uh, the Pelham the Pelhamarians looked dourly at them after that. Since though mad he was though mad he was their sorcerer. <laughs> he's still their guy. <laughs> he's still your they sorcerer. Need a guy. I, we gotta have. I'm sorry, man. He's mad, but he's ours. You know. Yeah. We if you don't want us to have this guy, send us a new guy. But right now, this is our dude. <laughs> like they, it, it, we need someone to bounce those rain clouds away. You <sighs> need a sorcerer. Oh, and also in here we get a little update on our boy. Jasper? Yep. Didn't go great. Didn't become a wizard. Did. So no, this doesn't work out for everybody. Did go to the court of the Lady of O or whatever, though. Right? Became the court sorcerer there. So, yeah. yeah. The island of O. They go to the end of the world. Yeah. Which is cool because it's like in the world where it's just it's just islands surrounded by sea. What's the end of the world like? And you would think, and in fact, Vetch, I think, says, oh, uh, I, I'm of the mind that it becomes the end of the world and you just fall off, right? Um, but that is not the way the end of the world, as it seems, at least here. Here, it is like, it's almost like reaching the, it's almost like reaching the, the, um, the event horizon of a black hole or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Unheeding, get road always slower, looking over his shoulder, choosing away among channels or shoals or shallows that he alone could see. This is 121. The boat shuddered as, as her keel dragged. Under that keel lay vast depths of the sea, yet they were aground. Ged drew up the oars, rattling in their locks, and that noise was terrible, for there was no other sound. All sounds of water, wind, wood, sail were gone, lost in a huge, profound silence that might have been unbroken forever. The boat lay motionless. No breath of wind moved. The sea had turned to sand, shadowy, unstirred. Nothing moved in the dark sky or that dry, unreal ground that went on and on into gathering darkness all around the boat as far as I could see. That's a cool way for the world to kind of like be at the edge of the world is that liquid things become solid and things just stop and go silent. Mm-hmm. It's I like the illustration we get of that. That's good. Where it's almost Hearing like the- clouds in the illustration. It's almost like you can't tell the difference between the sky and the sea and the land. Yeah. Now, do I like the illustration of the shadow? I don't. No. I don't. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> coming for you. If, right. if you have this, <laughs> it looks <laughs> like... <laughs> It looks like the the kid from where the wild things are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It does. When, when he's like pretending to be a monster, that's I what it looks like. I get how you get there cuz she does describe it coming towards him and then shrinking and blackening and crawling on four short taloned legs and standing right up. You know like Yeah, sure. But when you see it, I don't think it's that scary. Yeah, I don't find it offensive to the text. I just find it to be bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I don't I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, Charles West, you beefed it on this one. Um, but uh, we didn't talk about it before the illustration for the dragon. Whew. That's pretty cool. That That's real cool. Cool dragon. I like mm-hmm. his, his dragon. I like Ogion walking around the wilderness too as Ged lands as the bird. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some good drawings. I, I think in, uh, in terms of this whole book so far, illustrations, it's like I 90% of them are great. Yep. So I'm, I'm happy to take oh, that. Oh, and the raven hey, on the ground in the, in, in the school. Uh, which I'd forgotten about. They uh, that comes back. There's that great moment where he hears the word Oscar later, and he's like, "I kind of remember a bird telling me something about Oscar once, but I can't quite remember it." Uh, and that that's back in Roke. The bird right. out of nowhere is just like, 
Oskal and then some other words. I forget. They're they're not they're not in English. The bird's trying to tell him something about Oskal. Speaks bird words. Bird words. Bird is the uh, word. Anyway, he goes and wrestles the shadow. It comes out. It all works out fine. That's all we need to say about that, right? Uh huh. Yep. No, he he uh, calls it out because it is it's him. He's, he's like it, shadow. It, it, I can't let you keep getting away with this. <laughs> you beat me up this time and this time and this time. Mm-hmm. And just like the canonical shadow, it pulls out a Glock. That's right. <laughs> and has rocket boots. It, it's just Ged, but with a gun. <laughs> um. But yeah, so he sees it, it's there, and it kind of changes shape, right? And it changes to all these people he's had, like, conflict and friction with, or, or things he thinks he's failed at. So Jasper shows up, mm-hmm. and so does Revishal. What was his, what was the dude's name? Revishal? The, yeah, the good, I know that's not right. The one <laughs> with the kid. The oh, one with the dead kid. Uh, Prima, uh, Petrovari. Yeah. Petrovari, and Skior is there, and yeah. yeah. Revishal so is all that, from the game. From, from Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so that, that all happens, and then he kind of reconciles, and he's like, Ged. Mm-hmm. And in the moment of saying that, he names it. Yeah. And I think the question here that you've brought up a couple times here, Austin, is that is, has he, he is what, what is, is what is happening here, like indexing yeah. a symbol, right? He That is Ged, and he has appropriately named it. Right? Or has he or, hit the file button and hit right. save file as and typed in right. Ged, and that's tricked the system of magic and world. Uh, you know, aloud and clearly breaking all, mm-hmm. breaking that old silence, Ged spoke the shadow's name, and in the same moment, the shadow spoke without lips or tongue, saying the same word, Ged, and the two voices were one voice. Uh, and then and then on the opposite page, that was 124, this is 125, um, where Vetch is like, oh shit, who are you? Vetch can't quite see all this happening. He doesn't quite know. Did the shadow take over Ged's body? This is the whole fear, by the way. Yeah, we, we didn't really. Yeah, we don't get we outline. don't get any of the like traditional fantasy stuff here, right? We yes. don't get their their like epic battle. They kind of start tussling, and then the POV kicks over to Vetch entirely. Yeah, we get we get Ged lifting the staff, and it's brightened stuff. You know, it's yeah. kind of a it's a kind of a you shall not pass, but like not especially right. But it's not the you know even something you've seen Prodane, right? Which is like, uh, you know, he lunged at it, he dodged its blow, yeah, right? We don't get of any that. of that kind of stuff. None we get yeah. some symbolic stuff, and then for the actual action of the fight occurring, it's someone else's POV entirely, right? And to Vetch, it looks like Ged is getting wrecked again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks like he loses, right? It's like yeah. the light goes out, and he disappears. Yeah. Until that moment, Vetch had watched him with an anxious dread, for he was not sure what had happened there in the dark land. He did not know if this was Ged in the boat with him, and his hand had been for hours ready to the anchor to uh, to stave in the boat uh, planking and sink her in the mid-sea, rather than carry her back, uh, carry back to the harbors of Earthsea the evil thing that he feared might have taken Ged's look and form. Now, when he saw his friend and heard him speak, his doubt vanished, and he began to see the truth that Ged had neither lost nor won, but naming the shadow of his death with his own name had made himself whole. A man who, knowing his whole true self, self cannot be used or possessed by any power other than himself, and whose life, therefore, is lived for life's sake and never in the service of ruin or pain or hatred or the dark. 
And that is, that to me is the thing that's like, you have to read this as a, sh- I mean, like a shadow comes from a thing, right? And yeah. and I think that is the, the the place where I'm most confident it is the shadow is Ged, you know? The uh, or it is like Ged's fear of his own death or his fear of his own failure. It's it's the all the yeah. it's the dark side of Ged. It is the negative yeah. vibes of Ged. Well, so I talked about this last time, and I don't know when it lines up. I have to assume it's around this book because of the way this book ends. But Le Guin at one point of her life is huge into Young, into Carl Young. Sure. Mm-hmm. This is the this is this a is literalization the of the Jungian shadow. <laughs> yes, hundred uh, percent. And I wasn't sure. I think I mentioned it last time that I know she had a fascination with Young at one point, and I was like, "Well, I don't really know one way or the other." But this is way too close for this not to be the the time period. I I meant to look it up. Yeah, and if Young was your guy for any amount of time, and then you wrote, the, unless it happened after this, it's in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like yes. Uh, in the same way that, like, even if now I'm not writing books as a Catholic, the Catholicism uh, gets in there. You know. So, just to because mm-hmm. I thought I got Ooh. the the book that I mentioned earlier, the it's a critical companion to mm-hmm. Le Guin's Wizard of Earthsea. Uh, the author of that, whose name I didn't bother to pick up as I was skimming through this, uh, states rather clearly that she had not read any Young at the time of writing Wizard. That seems wild to me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That is. See what is the note there? Because I've read the interviews. Uh, there's there's a book review in uh, science fiction studies where she brings that where she talks about when she started reading young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did think earlier, like like I said, like I thought I think in the last episode I brought this up. I thought it was later, but gosh, this is like so close, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just later, and maybe it's like kind of just in the water in the '60s, right? Too. You know, maybe she hadn't read any young. Yeah. Well, okay. So this, yeah, he says he cites as like the explicitly Jungian uh stuff, uh, the story or the essays, The Child in the Shadow, which is from 75, and then Myth mm-hmm. and Archetype in Science Fiction, which is from 76. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, are those in um oh, it's got the brown cover. Um I've got. It. I, I don't have it here with me, but before the next episode, I can go read those essays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the the collection that that's in. Yeah. Uh, just throughout this, uh, he is stating that she did not read any young until after having r- written Wizard. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll go and read those. I have the collection that's yeah. In, she so is. I'll, she I'll has. Check it out. She. It seems like she has said out loud, "I did not read young before writing Earthsea." Mm-hmm. So I that believe seems. It. Absolutely wild to me, but yeah, I believe it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also it's like, oh, and then someone, you know, was like, hey, you should read this, and I was like, yo, here we I go. I invented the shadow independently. Yeah, woo. We did calculus for the shadow. <laughs> we both invented it. Um, the the uh, you know there is a little a little ending here also. Yeah. Um, and also I guess I'll say this really quick because we made the Lucas four stuff comparison. This is better than the force. It is better if it is all one thing. If it is, if what we have to do is oh, it's all connected. The yeah. fact that like her debut fantasy epic ends with, uh, and then I recognized my shadow self and and named it me and and integrated it into me is I think yeah. you know I think there's there's more going there's that's a better takeaway maybe than than it's as simple as blowing up the Death Star you know. Uh, 
it's in the first book here. We only got to wait to return of the wizard, you know, or whatever the third one is. Well, I, you know, Star Wars kind of gets to have it both ways. And maybe that's like it why well, it works ugh. the way it works. But because like that's the <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi Darth Vader, like I, winning and being defeated thing. Right. Which is like uh, accepting that it's all one thing. Obi-Wan is like not, you know, he's uh, this uh, kicked off force, right? Letting Darth Vader win and letting Darth Vader win. He actually defeats Darth Vader, like all that stuff. Right? Sort of, I guess I'm I am too in it on Star Wars now and it's too big and it's wrapped back right. around on itself and too many stupid ways. And then Lucas invents the stupid, you know, chosen one stuff in the prequels. Oh, yeah. And all oh, yeah. that change. I'm just oh. talking about the first movie by itself. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. It, get, it plays both games, is what I'm saying, right? On it one, does. Hey, it on, does. on one side, it does have this kind of like loosey goosey spiritual story about yeah. how to think about the enemy, and then it blows the enemy up with a bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like it, it does both things yeah. in sequence. And listen, I, there are some times that you got to blow up a Death Star. I'm not. I'm not anti blowing yeah, sure, up the Death Star. I'm very pro blowing up the Death Star. But I think that's part of like the magic of that first movie, right? If you just like only look at it and never think about anything else, is that it it does something more than you got to blow up the Death Star, but also blows up the Death Star, right? You know, you can turn cool off way. the targeting computer, right? You yeah. got to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. The yes, technology that was is not going to bring you there. Yeah, and the and the guy who appropriately responded to the big bad by by showing weakness, what we think of as weakness, by being defeated, big mm-hmm. quotation mark, yeah. in the defeat. Actually, is winning. Actually, is winning yeah, no. and demonstrated how to win by using, you know, the spiritual. Everything's one thing. Blah blah blah. I'm so. not. You mad, see, I'm not Darth, mad. by striking me down, you're doing exactly what I knew you would do. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I mean, that is the text of yes. Star Wars. It is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That's how he sounds, Al Guinness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. And then he like pup. Maybe that should have been what they did in the later movies. They should have demonstrated that Obi Wan Kenobi actually possessed mm. Luke Skywalker and began to puppet his body around. <laughs> and like Porkins should have blown him up. If Yoda and Obi Wan could have had their way, that's what they would have done with Luke Skywalker. So, oh, hundred percent. They tried mm-hmm. real hard. They tried real hard. Anyway, there's a little tiny thing at the end of the book that's great, which is like they all, you know, everyone comes home, they they all have won. And then we get the little line break. And then and then it's like, no one tells this part of the story. There's other Ged stories, but no one exactly tells, you know, in the deed of Ged, nothing about this voyage gets told. And there are other, you know, some people somewhere talk about uh, a stereo going out in the boat uh, to the to the abyss of the ocean. And someone, you know, says in, in Hulp, they talk about uh, a Hulpish fisherman or in talk, they say it's two fishermen that get blown out by a storm to the open sea. But the particulars of this part of the story don't get told exactly. And that's really fun to me. That's a, we're, we're being let in on a little secret. Anybody, anybody mm-hmm. could read the Deed of Ged, but only we get to read the Wizard of Earthsea. Mm-hmm. So we, we, get, uh, we get things here, right? It's, uh, we get Sailing the Dragon's Run. We get the Tombs of Adawan adventure. Mm-hmm. And we get the Archmage Return. Mm-hmm. Out of those three things, which do you think we're going to see in a book? Well, the two, we know the tombs of Adawan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one. Right? You think we're going to see the dragons run? Sure, I think we're see all. Why? Why wouldn't we see all of these? 
I don't know. That's I. In some ways, that's fun, yeah. right? It's we fun ha- to we, never know are, what the hell the Kessel Run was. I know, right? We're right. definitely okay. going to see him back into the Archmage, the throne of the Archmage, right? Yeah, that has hope. to be a thing. We yeah. See, so, okay, so maybe two. I, mm, I, mm, I'm trying I feel to like remember. Dragons, yeah, yeah go I, ahead. I, I haven't. I I don't have you know the full command of the books. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dragon just as a taste test, right? Dragon's Run feels like a good thing to always keep off screen. Like we we meet him in the next book and he's like, oh, hell, that Dragon's Run really took it out of me. Right. Right. But I'm unscathed. Uh, right. 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 Made it through the Dragon's Run. Like it wasn't wasn't so bad. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's it. That's uh, the end of the book. We get an afterward here. Do, do we have a date? Maybe I can look at the. I would love a date for this because I think that that's important for, for what's happening in this. Yeah. You, you want to give the rundown on it really quick while I pull the date? She's like being like, well, I sure wrote this book and it was sure was a it sure did give me a, a, a big boost. You know, they, they told me, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to write a book for kids? And I said, no. And then I thought about it and thought, why not? Kids, kids uh, can read. 2012. OK, so this is fairly recent. Yeah. OK. Toward the end of so she life. has she has all of I mean, we I, I guess it's important to say then like everything in this book was written by the time she wrote this then. Right. Or is there stuff yes. here from post 2012? I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, I can look uh, look on that too. But she starts by being like, you know, hey, I I thought why not? Teens are are capable readers. People don't give them enough credit. I could write something for teenagers. And in fact, I could write something. This is where the Merlin and Gandalf, hey, even they were young once, right? So why not tell a story Mm -hmm. of a young Merlin or a young Gandalf, someone who would become a great wizard who who, – uh, isn't right away. Um, and then, you know, she talks a little bit about making the world before getting into the story. But then the bulk of it is, how is this a traditional fantasy, a conventional story, a conventional book? Um, uh, I think she does a really good job of being like, today, fantasy is a branch of the publishing industry. But at the time, fantasy was like a small section of books that you know, were just kind of in the in the mix, you know, um, a much smaller community of writers, uh, and and the, this was going to be part of that. Um, and then she kind of says there are ways in which the story I wrote were conventional, and ways in which it was unconventional. Fundamentally, it is a fantasy story about a, a man bec- or a boy becoming a man. Um, uh, uh, it's about what's important to him. Um, it is about his strength and his wisdom, his mistakes that lead to, to, to his growth. That's a super conventional story. But also there's some other things that are subversive, more subversive, and that's like he's not a white guy. Um, and it's not, you know, the, the the thing that I think maybe you pulled out of this, Cameron, is, is on 129. She says, uh, but there are no wars. in or I, Actually, let me go back a step. Because she says, my story took off in its own direction, away from the tradition, also in the whole matter of what makes heroes and villains. Hero tales and adventure fantasies traditionally put the righteous hero in a war against unrighteous enemies, which he usually wins. The convention was, and still is, so dominant that it's taken for granted. Of course, quote-unquote, a heroic fantasy is good guys fighting bad guys, the war of good against evil. But there are no wars in Earthsea, no soldiers, no armies, no battles, none of the militarism that came from the Arthurian saga and other sources that by now, under the influence of fantasy war games, has become obligatory. And she goes on to say, like, 
you know, there are, I think that war, that over-focus on war limits what fantasy stories and adventure stories can can be, mm-hmm. that they are about danger, that they're about risk, they're about all those things. And and when you make a war story, you reduce all those things to things that have to happen on battlefields, right? Yeah. Um, I can't tell if you are, because your, your note here is, why does Le Guin say there are no battles in this book? The thing literally opens with a heroic battle. It's not a war, though. It's not a war, but it is the closest thing that Earthsea has to it. I don't understand yeah. why she is disavowing the kind of armed conflict that does exist in Earthsea. I don't know. I don't it think she's disavowing like it's, that. It feels like revisionism of what is actually in the book to me. But it isn't like there, there isn't our. It's conflict. not Arthurian. No, you're right. It, it, and, and the people like, don't our, have weapons to raise up. That's like part of the thing. Is like I mean, they make some weapons with the blacksmith, they're, but they're not yeah. soldiers. They're farmers, you know. And yeah, they don't but even, they do what people in real war scenarios have but, done. But we don't for eternity. see that though. You I know think what I mean? maybe uh, we what Le Guin the, is responding to is the dominance of like the warrior ethos in yeah, fantasy yeah. stories. Yeah, of sure. course, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like the signaling of like Arthurian and all that. Like, yeah. I think it, in spirit, it is correct, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that like Le Guin misunderstood her own book. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is an instance of battle and conflict in here that is actually interesting if you think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Because he ultimately proves that his magical capability is useful to the world, right? And why right, people take him right. seriously through traditional opening of of Conan the Barbarian combat. <laughs> and I think that's interesting. And it feels like a, that, I, I think that is being line. treated as a different tradition than the other stuff that she she is saying this isn't. But I, and think I don't that know if it is a different tradition. Uh, the thing that would be part of that tradition, the thing that's missing from that tradition is what you identified in the fight with the shadow which is there are no sword maneuvers. When he's right, doing the smoke mist like uh, manipulation stuff, we don't get the zoom in, you know, description of individual Cargian soldiers or raiders like stumbling over each other and the swords touching flesh and the somewhat, you yeah. know what I mean? We're not, it isn't depicted like a battle. It's depicted like maneuvers in the dark, you know? And I think that there is something yeah, sure. meaningfully different between that that I don't think it reads like a battlefield in the reading. Uh, uh, I think it reads like a battle. I think it. I think it reads like a very. I think it reads like a raid, and I think that's not the same thing as a battle. I think writing something mm-hmm. from a civilian perspective of people coming mm-hmm. to raid you is not the same thing as writing a battle. Yeah, I just I. Uh, I don't feel that way. I guess. Yeah, uh, that's fine. I, I'm, right, like the. the I think the whole is world like, is a battle. <laughs> go ahead, Michael. I think I, the whole world is a battle. Just Ooh. want to get that well, out I there. I think love is a battlefield number uh-huh. one. <laughs> no, I but but like to 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 be more fine grained about it, right? Like in in casting a what is a very traditional actual civilian response to being attacked and having to defend oneself as something that is not warfare, as something that is not a battle, um, in the historical kind of weird fantasy maneuver thing going on there. I think it robs it of some of its. Um, I don't know, realism or some of the affect that's involved Mm. in it. Like a a large number of violence that has taken place historically, especially in like small scale martial weapons, right? 
is people defending themselves against raids from other groups that are big. Absolutely, but I don't think that this is this is not the Seven Samurai, which ends in a no, battle between yeah, sure. peasants defending themselves and and a militarized bandit force, right? Explicitly, right. what she does in that moment is avoids that ending of the conflict where Ged would have ended up surrounded by the dead villagers he was raised around, right? Which is the battle story that then launches the hero into the world, right? Yeah. Uh, instead, like what we disavow, like the outcome of the battle, which is that a bunch of the raiders run off a cliff and presumably get smushed. Yep. And then the uh, and then the leather workers dead on the ground, yep. right? After he actually does do a bunch of uh, guerrilla warfare stuff, if we remember that section of it, right? I think that it is interesting to think of it as a battle the 2012 decision for Le Guin to say combat fantasy games, all of that stuff is over there. These books aren't that. I think it's probably true. I think she's apprehending her own book correctly. I think it is more interesting to think about that as something other sure. than Ged's first magical adventure, right? Is what is is my prickle and like it's a light prickle i don't yeah think, well know, again like, the thing that like i think went wrong the right? thing that i think is i don't think it's ged's first magical adventure i think that it is the first time that we see ged do magic in a big way is explicitly about taking the detour from ged using it to lightning bolt people right yeah um or use ged using magic to slow everyone down so that the villagers can win the sword fights you know like there are so many other ways ged could have deployed magic that left us in the realm of battle pros, and we just don't get battle pros. Yeah. So I get where she gets yeah. here, you know? And, and no, no, I, yeah. My, I actual, totally think so, like, my actual instinct is rationale is correct. We are going to get more violence as we move forward, you know? Um, and I'm mm -hmm. curious if this actually mm -hmm. will hold up by the end of it more than whether it, ends, it, it holds up here, where the entire book is about. There is no war of good against evil. Evil is collapsed mm -hmm. into good, you know, by the end. The good position is recognizing one's dark impulses and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that holds over what's to come, you right. know. Uh, it's well, easy when because you can we know name the next it. book. Right. Because we know the next book is like going to to evil land. It's going to the car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. Right. Yep. Uh, Oskill and, and the Carters or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, looking at the, the um, copyright <laughs> stuff, by the way, 2012 does seem to be the last of everything except for those additional stories that okay. are at the very end of the book. The most recent of that was 2018. It was published in the Paris Review. Mm. But so, yeah, I'm curious and, and, because it's like, yeah. this is a story where Ged has the luxury of naming evil Ged and taking it into himself. Right. What do right. you do when that's not on the table, right? How mm -hmm. do you tell, how do you resolve a story where integration with, with the violent other is not on the table? Um, and yeah. how do you prevent that from falling into the heroic fantasy of good guys fighting bad guys, the war of good against evil, et cetera? Or, or, or do you rework that position in some way? But she wrote this yeah. in 2012. So, I'm curious if it applies forward more than back, you know, forward from this point in the in the book or in these books. Right. So, well, I'm curious too to track it across like the first trilogy and the second trilogy because mm. you know she writes the second set of books up through like the millennium, you know, like the turn of the millennium, and then this is like ten years after those are done, I think. Right. And so, or like the the afterward here, and I think there is an afterward for all of them. That is from the 2012 editions. Interesting. So, okay. So uh, the first so yeah, trilogy we'll is track that late six. It's a 68 or something, and then through the mm -hmm. 70s, through the early 70s. 
Yes. Okay. And so, then there's a huge break. Mm-hmm. And then it's like turn of the millennium. Okay. So, uh, oh no, maybe it's actually spread out more than I thought. So Tahanu is 90, 1990. Tales from Earthsea is 2001. Mm. Um, and then the other wind is 2001 as well. So it's like okay. the second trilogy is less of a trilogy in, in time. It's like it, a trilogy, a book, and a duology, I guess, is the maybe more that makes sense. appropriate. Well, we'll have to track Excited it. And, to and, and, and it'll be interesting, too, because she wrote all these afterwards, all for the 2012 stuff. Right. We'll, we'll get 2012 Le Guin reflecting all, all of them. So. Being like, well, this one has battles, actually. This one I put some battles in, for sure. Mm-hmm. I would like that. I would like the revisionism of the previous afterward written at the same time. Well, I like this one. What'd y'all think? Yeah. All right for fantasy. Mm. <laughs> Michael wants that. Uh, if if you don't have a battle for the Pelennor Fields, Michael's not on board. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I love. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would have been better if Ged got a cool sword or like mm-hmm. a long knife, you know, and enchanted it. I with... think the Otak should have had a catchphrase. <laughs> What's that? Can you can you give me an example? <laughs> can you give me a... um... I don't think this is such a good idea, Ged. Oh, yeah. I like that. For, for its time period, the catchphrase would have to be like kind of something weird that doesn't make any sense. It'd have to be like, I'm squirming. <laughs> you know, like, I'm squirming, like, there were these, Right. There were these like catchphrase animals in like the 70s, but they're yeah. always like, they're not what we would think of now, right? What's that weird cat thing from Thundercats? Uh, snarf. snarf, yeah. Snarf. Can we just yeah? Can I just say snarf? Yeah. yeah, you know that was its catchphrase was saying its own goddamn name. Yeah, yeah. his name was O-tack. Snarf. Otak. Yeah, that's the Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Snarf. Oh, Snarf. I like the idea of it being like just constantly second guessing Ged. I don't think this is such a good idea. <laughs> I don't think that you should. I don't think you should integrate your evil self into your good self. Whoa, Snarf's wild looking, y'all. Yeah, I don't like him. I think. Hold he's... on, let me show you this. Like, absolutely, is uh, cursed. You're not prepared for the picture I'm about to send you. Okay. Give me two seconds. Yeah. I gotta wait for snipping tool to appear. Here we go. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. I want these live reacts. Here's Snarf. Oh, it's processing. Hold on. Okay. Discord's protecting you from this. Oh, uh, here we go. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. That's a feet pick. You said a very realistic feet pick of Snarf. This is from the show. It's on from the official back. wiki. He looks. This is this is a He's shame. He's got a scaly belly. He's got a scaly armadillo. Furry belly. feet. Yeah. Those are hobbit feet. He's got hobbit feet. Snarf. And he has the haircut of like a 15 year old boy who hangs out. <laughs> At the comic shop, but the beard of a of a ruffly Gandalf, you know, yeah, or a ship captain. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Is you know, I can do wind magic. Yeah, I can do wind magic. While while we're sharing things, oh no, (laughs) doing the Instagram on this one. Uh huh. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, I want to send you this, just the screen cap of the Wikipedia article for sentience, which where it implies that in order to be sentient, you have to have invented clocks. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. What? I, I mean, that's all right. Hold on. <clears throat> I hate this. <laughs> I'll just read it. Sentience was the quality of self-awareness, abstract thinking, and higher reasoning. I, lo- I love that this is written, written in the past tense, like all of it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Sentience possessed a personality feeling emotionally as well as thinking intelligently. Sentient species of the galaxy numbered in the tens of thousands with 3PO series protocol droids being programmed to recognize more than 30,000 of them. The number of individual people in the galaxy was numbered in the millions of billions. Some sentient species, <laughs> including humans, Ewoks, Patatites, Gungans, and Geonosians. I don't know what Patatites are. That's the only one there. I don't have a fucking clue. Well, it's Patatites. Uh, uh, they tell us more, but what Michael is pointing to is uh, language was how species communicate and exchange knowledge and information. Chronometers were how species kept track of time. Implying that, yeah, you needed to be... Well, notably, this also has the uh, the definition of non-sentient. Yeah. Which are variously yeah. referred to as creatures this or is, beasts. So yeah. to be sentient, uh-huh. you must not be a creature or a beast, <laughs> and you must have invented the clock. Yeah. Yep. I and just have language. I, I guess. Just, I just realized that the page links to clocks from the page about sentience. Oh. It's like, okay, I'm going to define sentience. Here's what you need to know. Do you know what a <laughs> clock is? But first. <laughs> oh, the half-press video, except it's about sentience and Star Wars. <laughs> a group of sentients from various species and a droid witnessed the Hosnian oh. cataclysm <laughs> through the sub-hyperspace from Tachodonna Castle yeah. on Tachodonna. That's from the Star Wars is goofy as shit because here's the thing that everyone forgets about force awakens that that when when Starkiller, wait uh-huh wait hold on yeah notice this in the middle paragraph droids were also capable yeah. of being sentient although as with organic beings some droids such as zero 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 and ev 99 took pleasure in inflicting pain upon others so uh, if yeah. you if you like to inflict pain you're not sentient, you're not sentient. yeah uh-huh. yeah there, so you gotta get an editor on this where are you talking about star killer base star killer <laughs> base doesn't blow a lot of people think star killer base blows up coruscant in that first movie of the the sequel trilogy but it blows Why? up Hosnian Prime because they show a place that looks sort of like Coruscant blowing up uh-huh. it's it's, it's they, wouldn't, the, they wouldn't blow up the galactic I, home world yeah, i mean i agree yeah, but we, it it's got the the like the sequel trilogy problem is that all the new planets look like recognizable they old planets. Sure do right. That is my big theory about and people who listen to more civilized age know this already. My big like in a can. What is my problem with the sequel trilogy? Is name some places from the sequel trilogy, and it's really hard to uh, actually do because none of them are like, in, like, and we've seen Hoth a thousand times. We don't need to see Hoth again necessarily. I'm not saying that like. The original trilogy and the original trilogy had had had, had mm-hmm. a had a you know uh, a leg up because it was mm-hmm. whatever. But the prequel trilogy, you can think about Naboo. Naboo is a place that will come to your mind if yeah, you think yeah. about it. You know, Coruscant. Yeah. I know. Coruscant, I know Coruscant. You know Coruscant. You know what it looks like. They they there is an impression. It made an impression. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know the name of the uh, the planet the Geonosians are on. Geonosis. Is that Geonosis? It's Geonosis. Yeah. I can, I, it very strong, like the ocean, oh, yeah. ma- massive oh, waves sorry. on the little That's Camino. Platforms. You're thinking of Camino. Oh, I am thinking Camino. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But still, you uh, get the water planet. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I've got, I got that on the dome. Uh, the, the new ones, I got Jungle Planet. I remember that one from the first movie. Yeah. Like a Jungle uh, Planet. You think of like Endor 2? It's just Endor yeah. again? Yeah. Yeah. 
I got I got Tatooine. I remember that. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember. Wait, which which one has Tatooine in it? Is she not on Tatooine? She's on not movie? on Tatooine. That's no, not Tatooine. She's on some other planet. That's Jakku. That's Jakku. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, fucking Jesus, that's sad. That it's was so right. sad. I just assumed. I, I saw know. the movie one time. I just assumed she was on Tatooine. No. Damn. Ugh. Anyway, that's my. That's <laughs> why my would beef. that? Why would you settle more than one of those? <laughs> It feels like if you do a Tatooine, you just fly on by. Yeah. When you get to a desert planet, like you know, that. wait a second. Like, we learned our. We lesson. don't need this one. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. We already did this once. Yeah. Bad idea. It's true. Uh, I, I I'm trying to think of other planets I recognize. What's the the uh, sand with the red stuff on it? At the end Last of, of Last Jedi. Yeah. That's I don't iconic. Re- I don't remember what the name of that place is. That place is all right, and so yeah. is so is the the island planet with the ports yeah. right that that's there's some all right stuff there mm-hmm. what about uh, casino world uh well I, I think that one i know that one i feel like yeah. i can have canto I can bite yeah canto bite yes canto yeah. bite yeah. i think all the ones from last jedi are fairly yeah memorable. yeah but unfortunately uh, none I, of them matter in the in the arc of the thing because that movie got vaulted effectively <laughs> that movie right, got like right. everyone immediately pretended like it didn't happen yes exactly uh yeah, uh, probably the best final couple scenes from uh, any of them. When that little when that little kid's sweeping out the stables, he's got the yeah, little, it's great. He does a little thing. Yeah, he great. does a little thing. Yeah, uh-huh. anybody could, anybody could be a Jedi. I agree, but especially people who are grandchildren of the Emperor. Yeah, <sighs> man, Fine. people are gonna be mad about that. <laughs> yeah, you sp- big spoilers here, Michael. Big spoiler, yeah, from <laughs> yeah. from from the thing. Man, that last movie's bad. <laughs> but Man. let me uh let me hit you with this one. Somehow they continued to read Earthsea. <laughs> how about that? Somehow they did that. Yeah, that's us. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. Next episode, I need to, you know, I'll have to give a little credits in a second, but next episode we are reading um all of Tombs of Adawan. Let's right? go. Yeah, I believe that's the plan. We're doing it. We're just picking up the pace a little bit. This starts um, with a cool full color illustration. Mm-hmm. I think they mm-hmm. all do. Oh, they do. This one had a full color mm-hmm. illustration too at the top, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. The uh, but so yeah, we're reading all of Tombs of Adawan. Uh, it's going a little quick, but these books are fairly fast to read, uh, I think. And um, we'll have a, a little bit of time. You'll have a, an off week after you hear this to to get there. So you got plenty of time. The um, do you know what our next movie is? Yes, we do. We do know our next movie is, so our, the last bonus episode that came out was on Legend. People can check that out right now at patreon.com slash ranged touch. The next one will be, um, oh, we're doing Labyrinth, right? Doing Labyrinth. Oh, yeah, that's And then right. The Dark Crystal. We'll be doing The Dark Crystal after that, I believe. Boom, boom, boom. Unless people have a reason not to. I have purchased the 4K remastered editions of both of those. Uh, so I will be able to do some reportage on the... Uh, uh, commentaries and behind the scenes and whatnot of how they made those goblins and gremlins look so good. How they made David Bowie do all that contact juggling. Uh, the goblins and gremlins are real. They just hired them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's like when Ursula Gwen says there's no goblins and gremlins in uh, Labyrinth, I'll accept the battle stuff, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I don't agree with it, but I will not accept the goblin and gremlin. Uh, distinguishment here. But uh, that's what we'll be doing. Patreon.com slash range touch to check that out. Um, Legend, like I said, is up right now. I think we had a good time talking about Legend. 
uh, I watched the long cut and they watched the short cut and then we just we determined what was in the middle. The uh, the show, Cinderwell wrote and performed the theme song. Sam Beck made the podcast art and Jordan Mallory edits and produces the show. Uh, everyone, shout outs to Jordo. Clap for clap for Jordo in the chat. Uh, um, if you uh, review the show in a previous episode or in, in not a previous episode <laughs> in the upcoming episode i will read some reviews i've i've been falling down on that i'm not going to do it right now because the episode's three hours long but uh i will be reading some of those reviews if you re- uh review us on ia not itunes apple Podcasts is what it's called now um i we have since learned recently spotify you can actually hit the five star button oh. we get a rating on there so if you are listening to us on spotify on the app please hit the five star button that goes a long way for us. Same thing on Apple Podcasts. We will be back soon with a full episode on Tombs of Adawan. Amid these stacks so straight and tall of tomes lined end to end, how are you to find your way? It's shelved by genre, friend. <laughs>